King Kong ain't got shit on Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast for the small percentage of food lovers that play or paint Warhammer. That's our that's our targeted audience right there. That's our small niche. We're looking for adults, largely male, ages 18 to 34, who are into hard and or soft cookies and also mini painting. Yeah. All seven of you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hard cookies and soft cookies, what's on your hat right now? Bro, we got, we're going to just jump right into preamble ramble right now. Hitting it hard, hitting it fast. Not the pre-preamble ramble. Yeah, this is the pre-pre. Just straight into the... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, when we were out at LVO, we received a gift. Mm. Actually, a couple gifts. We, yeah, we received many gifts. Shower to them. Yeah. Literally. Uh, one of those gifts were the hats on our head right now, a.k.a. ketchup and mustard. Mm. I'm obviously the ketchup. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, because your hat is red. <laughs> For those who are colorblind. <laughs> we got these lovely hats from Matt Sexwish and Ben Kometz, Um and uh, they can have an, uh, any kind of phrase you want on the front here. And so uh, John came up with a fake company that is basically spearheaded by Ben and Matt called Sex Comet. And so that's what I am featuring here on my uh, billboard forehead. Yeah, I told them I'm disappointed in them that they hadn't thought of this idea sooner, <laughs> that I had to bring this to them. The last name is- I had to bring this to you. I, why should I have to bring this to you? Sex Wish and Comets, obviously, the the collaboration of the two of them is Sex Comet. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's like your pinup line right there. There you go. Right. Yeah, so if you ever wanted to have a billboard- um, on your forehead while keeping your ears warm. Yeah, just go to Germany and get these hats. <laughs> actually, Poland, I think. What? Oh yeah, it's Polish. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. I like them a lot. Yeah, and mine's obviously uh, Hard Cookie Nation. I forgot the hashtag in the front. There you go. That's you. Uh, there is a hashtag on the sheet, right? I know, so and I fucking missed that train, dude. Oh like, well, like a chode. Speaking of chodes, no. <laughs> um, speaking of hard cookies, I'm a fan of Good Mythical Morning, and recently they did a little episode of. I don't know what it's called, but they basically survey their audience and then try to guess what their responses are. And then if they're right and close to the percent, they get some amount of points. It's a game they have. Yeah. A made-up game with where points don't matter. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. One of the questions was, of your audience, uh, which of them prefer soft cookies to hard cookies? And they have to guess, you know, 50 60%, like whatever it is, like how it leans. Okay. And so they guessed like a modest 60-40 uh, preferring soft cookies. Okay? Wow. Okay. 60-40. And the actual fucking result was like 85 or 90 soft cookie to hard cookie. <laughs> so I just felt extremely validated in that uh, moment dude, by no. someone else's audience. <laughs> I love that the hard cookie nation is small <laughs> but mighty. Small and powerful. Right? We yeah. need to be hardy folk. Okay, there you go. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Most of you guys live in Minnesota too. It's like you just you're, you're just hardy, you just yeah. weather it all. You're it's like, it's a, a big fucking asterisk with that, right? Because obviously, if you're taking into account home baked cookies, right? Yes, I mean it's soft cookies, right? We're not talking about this. Yeah, the question is simple. It's like it's just like you know, kind of gut reaction. Like, what are yeah. your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so probably most people are influenced by store-bought cookies and not so much homemade. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So Rhett and Link, while you're watching this episode, know that you need to put an asterisk on that. <laughs> yeah, you have to put asterisks on your survey for your uh, your one episode game shows. Ha hashtag hard, hard Cookie Nation. It's very important. Yeah. All right, what do you got for some preamble rambles? Some, some preambles rambles. Well, I did have the the talking about the hats, but we already checked that off. Oh. Um, 
we do a little we do a little uh, little spoilery. It's something that's was found exciting to me, but probably is not exciting to anybody else. Is uh, you and I we had like we did some adulting this week. We did. We had a meeting, dude. We had a meeting with uh, a rep. I'm gonna say senior rep, <laughs> senior vice executive rep. Jessica, Jessica <laughs> from Spotify. Yeah, yeah. And what I was hoping that she was going to do is offer us an exclusivity contract for a bazillion dollars. Yeah, I would have taken it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sellout. It would have been like she had given us like six hundred bucks in like a case of cakesters. We'd have been like, all right. <laughs> I thought at first you said six hundred bucks in queso, and I was like, all right, yeah, some queso, Dude, a case of queso. <laughs> I would I'll take it. All right, yeah. I'll I do mean, it for the queso. I mean, Jesus Christ, I gotta buy my own chips, but I think I had the six hundred dollars to buy enough chips. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So we, we did a little little talking. We learned some stuff. Like it's really nice. Yeah. To, like have somebody kind of reminded me of back when I worked for the man, mm. and like there was people that worked within your organization that like knew shit that you didn't know, and like you had somebody that you could turn to and ask questions mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And it's just like, oh damn, Jessica, you're so nice yeah you're teaching us stuff we scott asked seven thousand questions and you answered all of them all of them she answered all of them she's got a new puppy corgi at home yes we feel like we're connected to jessica yeah we're connected now and so we might have some some fun things in the works that uh those of you that uh, listen to us through spotify will be able to take advantage of or to give you another alternative so yeah um that's all i can say about that yeah basically the outcome of the meeting was it was a win-win-win for everybody yeah um, which is great those are those are far and few between so it's, it's you got to rejoice when you experience those that's so good yeah and the third win in that win scenario is is y'all is yeah, the goody yeah. peepees right? we're all we're all winning right now yeah no one is no one is is going to to lose out it's only adding only addition in this no multiplication <laughs> or long division. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is my last weekend. So we're two weeks removed from LVO, which we're going to talk about today. Mm. But last weekend was the pre-release weekend for Phyrexia All Will Be One for Magic the Gathering. And I had a weekend o magic. Now, I know the goody peepees probably don't care about games that they don't care about, but that is a fact. Actually, they listen to you talk about uh, age song of ice and fire. And <laughs> so they had to listen to this. So one of my local stores <laughs> had a pre-release tournament each day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I went to all three. So I was going for the dicathlon. Dang, I don't know. Dang. Triathlon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wasn't 10 of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there was the amount of players was I think it was thirty eight Friday twenty eight Saturday and twenty six on Sunday so a sizable field for each day. Um, I went three and zero on Friday and ended up in second place uh, based on tiebreakers alone. On Saturday I went three and zero and ended up in first fucking place and I got mm. a champ store champion play mat. Did you get a giant fucking check? Met to John Ninas? No, I got, for... I, got, I got free packs of magic cards. <laughs> and then third place, I was going for the triathlon, triple three and oh, and then I was going to like leave my old life behind and join the Magic Pro Tour, which doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Um, and I lost my last match, so I ended up two and one. Dang. And I made, made some grave mistakes in deck building. I did not build the optimal deck. I know I was three and oh if I not don't get blinded by the light wrapped up like a douche and um i gotta say man 
I fucking love magic cards, dude. Do you? I try so goddamn hard. The smell, the yeah. feel. Oh, yeah, when you open that pack, you smell those cards. They smell way better than plastic sprues. What's better, the smell of a fresh book or the smell of fresh magic cards? Oh, goddamn, that's a good one. How about this? I get it right in the middle. The smell of a fresh Dungeons and Dragons book. There it is. <laughs> the merger. <laughs> that new DM's guide. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I I just had so much fun. Met some some new friends. A bunch of my friends came and we hung out and and did that. And so it was a lot. It's it's um I just I just love the the competitiveness of magic while still not feeling like you like you're so invested in a three hour game. And if you or your opponent has a shitty time, like it just feels terrible you don't have that in magic you're like if you kick someone's ass you get your ass kicked just like well that was 10 15 minutes and i get to move on with my life and yeah and because it's there's so many micro decisions just like there is in like age of sigmar and 40k there's a ton of micro decisions but because they're condensed in a small play time the using your your vcr in your head to rewind and replay it's a lot more i feel like i can grasp those pain points where I screwed up, where my, my decision points could have been different, and then looking two, three, four turns in advance how those decisions would have affected things. It seems like I can absorb that a lot more than taking basically the same amount of micro decisions, but spreading them out over three to four hours. I, something about that time, I just like, my brain loses some of that. And Definitely. I, you know, you, you think of the big massive points in a game of Age of Sigmar that really felt like they fucked it all up for you. But in actuality, it's like that was more or less like two decisions leading up to that puts you in that position where that decision felt like it was the thing. But um, either way, I uh, I think magic's for winners. So it is, and you're you're a winner, very much so. That's why I love measured. I fucking win, and (laughs) because I win. (laughs) Yeah. Well, also unlike a game like Age of Sigmar, I was playing Magic when I was. 11 or 12 years old um on and off for most of my life so it's like i get to it's riding a bike thing getting back on it is not me relearning anything it's just reacclimating to what's new what's tweaked and then building those layers on it feels really good it's so hard to get that many repetitions in a game like age of sigmar yes it is you know the any miniature war game you're right it's just how because it's not about how long the game takes it's how many full games do you play yeah you know and uh i mean i, I and there's so much to remember um at every phase in a particular game whenever i play a song of ice and fire i go for a while without playing it there are just there are things that i have to like re-remember about each part of the game um and i'll often forget some things and then make mistakes that i wouldn't have made if i was playing the game regularly yeah 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 and uh in my uh, my local area, we're starting up sometime in the spring. We're starting up an EOS Escalation League. Very I'm cool. I'm going to start that. Little, little STDs. Yeah, we're going to bring out the STDs. <laughs> um, and then we're going to also... Um, I, got, I keep getting poked by a buddy that was actually at competed at LVO in the Warhammer 40K tournament that he's starting up a slow-grow league for 40K, and he's bugging me to do that too. And I'm like, well... It, I, I'm going to help him with um, some of the, the painting stuff because they're in a, like a painting component and then um, prizes for that. So I'm going to donate a bunch of cool painting stuff to him for, for prizes. And it's not how good you paint. It's like um, checking the box of did you paint each month or whatever. And yeah. so everyone that accumulates so many points can win 
painting prizes. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I got, I got, <laughs> I got extra paints. Yes. And I got, you might. I might have extra paints. <laughs> I might have more wet palettes. I might have some cool stuff that they might like. So, but I don't think I can commit to playing. Yeah, the yeah, Age of Sigmar and 40k in Escalation campaign that would be very challenging. Yeah, I know. And plus, around that point, probably Diablo Four is coming out, so that's gonna be oh fuck, yeah, fuck the world. We're going D4 hard. You do. So I'm feeling D4 too, but that that's for reasons that we'll discuss during our main topic. Because I spoke with a Blizzard developer at LVO. Uh, you didn't fucking tell me there was a no. Blizz developer there. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I was just chatting with him. His name was Tesh. He was really nice, dude. Blizz dev. Blizz dev. Dude, I want to do some 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 Blizz videos about mm. painting the goddamn Diablo. There you go, El Diablo. There you go. There's probably a sick STL for it too. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. Yeah, it's not gonna be. It's not called Diablo though. It's no. called like no. It's called Big Bad Evil Demon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fiery Demon. Yeah. Dot Russia. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the STL. Yeah, yeah, that's the name of the STL. They just put the fucking country of origin in it. Just so y'all are made very clear, <laughs> you can't strike none of this shit down. <laughs> We're just going to change the name, come back yep. twice as strong. <laughs> All right, my Pramble Ramble. Uh, I'm still working on that video where I'm trying to find board games with the best miniatures. Yesterday I played two games, um, Oathsworn and Aeon's Trespass. Both games are like campaign style games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which honestly, I'm getting a little just like, I don't need more of these games. Like I just thought you said a little jizz. Just getting a little jizzed, you know? <laughs> No, the opposite. I'm getting a little anti-jizzed. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to play two of these games in my life. Um, and like, there's just like a bazillion of them to pick from. And they're all kind of the same, but kind of different. So Oathsworn has an interesting combat mechanic out of the gates. Like it's, okay. it's cool and it's fun. Um, when we played in... When we play Kingdom Death, I remember like us fighting that lion and everyone's like naked and just kind of beating at it with fists. And then we're kind of like just around it, just kind of rolling the same two dice. And it's like, oh, I got a four this time and I didn't get it last time. So I did damage this time. You know, that's kind of what it felt like. And obviously the complexity increases over time as you yeah. get gear, as the encounters change and become more complicated. Get new abilities, fighting arts, bro. Exactly. Oh, exactly. damn. And then, right. then your armor. Your fucking all-star dual-wielding fighting arts double guitar lady just gets her fucking head ripped off, and you're like, rip, <laughs> rip, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda's down for the count, dude. <sighs> so, yeah, like, I appreciate that about Oathsworn, is that I didn't need to accumulate anything for the combat to be interesting right away. Yeah. That's the thing I'm... I'm most interested in that's that's what I call the game of the game you know not not the village phase not the exploration phase not whatever the upkeep is that's the part where I want to play um but both these games are basically D&D &D in a box right they're yeah. the the D, the DM is AI of the game essentially so they all have these app assisted things where you can like have the app read out the story you pick a, a choice in the decision tree and it changes the course of your whole campaign in a way do, do you not love the fucking voices of the people that do the the do the read aloud thing? yeah dude, it's like, good <laughs> as you wander across the walking river yeah. you decide to ford unfortunately there are seven goblins on the other shore exactly that yeah some crusty motherfucker from game, <laughs> game of thrones or something like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely so yeah, Oathsworn was was cooler uh, for me personally. In Aeon Trespass, there was there's so much going on outside of like the boss fights. Um, but yeah, so they drop you right into a boss fight in this learn to play scenario, and then after that, there's like all kinds of stuff you're doing. But yep. basically, the premise of Aeon that's that one's most similar to KDM. But 
The theme is Greek. All the gods are dead. They've been replaced by these primordial evil things that, that killed them. And yeah. you are an Argonaut, and you get inside this green amniotic fluid and pilot a 30 to 50 foot tall titan that then tries to combat these primordial monsters. Wow. That's so a- basically Greek Pacific Rim. Right. Right? That's, yeah. That's kind of what it is. Dude, you're, yeah, you're just in the, the baby batter of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. the, of the fucking ship. Yeah. Dude, and then you got to get to the gardening phase of the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's a gardening phase. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. you got Someone's got to take out the trash every week. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, gosh, look at these primordials. Look, what they don't like is technology, so we have to develop our own technology. And that, that happens in the game. There is technology developing it reminded me a lot of a real-time strategy game like warcraft or like you know command and conquer or age of empires there was a, like there was technology you could advance there was gear you could buy but you needed to tech certain things before you could buy certain things like in an rts you gotta upgrade that barracks man but yeah and there were relationships with like other like people in the game that you could develop like there was three different races there was like a there was a, a race of people that worshipped the bull of Minos in the, in the labyrinth mm-hmm. and all that shit. Um, and so there was like, and you could like become their friend. And they would give you certain benefits. And there was like, there was like three campaign books that came with the base game, and they were all like 150 pages long. Just like, wow. you could play this game for a year, dude, and not oh, like yeah. experience everything. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, did you suck upon the Minotaur's horn? I did. I did a little, <laughs> little sup sup. Uh, it was good. So I played that. Those games were those games were fun. I liked Oathsworn more. Um, and then I also played AOS, my Escalation campaign. We're at a thousand points now. Ooh. My double necro list, which is good for Galatian champions, but you know, not they're not super combaty. But it's still nice to have infantry uh, uh, characters in your in your list now with this current season of AOS. Um, and my my vile and terrible reign has come to an end. Unfortunately, I have lost. I'm now five and one. One. God damn! I lost a Magakin and Nurgle with my Soul Black Grave Lord. They're tank tanky motherfuckers. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you got to hit them with the mortal wounds, or they're they're what's called a what you know the term DPS check, right? From maybe mm. you don't know that. No, term. I actually don't know this term. It comes from MMOs. Um, where there are certain end game bosses in MMOs that are straight up DPS checks. So for your your guild to go further, you need to be able to have your people be skilled enough and have enough high end gear to be able to to beat this boss. And it's simply uh, a you know, can you burn them down fast enough? It's a DPS check. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. So I use that term, but in terms of DPS check. Um, that term is used in, in Age of Sigmar. Maybe maybe just Vinci V and, and Tom Morello say that, but um, Tom Morello, yeah. Vinci V is playing AOS with Tom Morello. Yeah, yeah, that's his co-host. Okay. Tom Morello, <laughs> sick. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's a it's a mortal wound check instead of DPS check. Sure, it's like can your army pump pump out the mortal wounds, um, and if not, can you play cagey enough? And yeah, it's one of those things where. I'm sure you realize, having played that army once, you would have gone against it an entirely different way. It's like the learning curve of the value of knowing what your opponent does well, what his army is really good at, what they're weak at, and exploiting what they're weak at and not fucking walking into a haymaker what they're good at. Yeah, and I kind of did that exactly. Because um, like, last time I played John Schaefer was at 500 points, and his list, his list was pretty different at that point. Mm-hmm. He had a Beast of Nurgle, and I knew what those did. I, I, I dispatched them. I killed both of his Beast of Nurgle uh, pretty easily. 
Um, but what I wasn't ready for was the the new Galatian champions and Swarm Bodyguard rules and Blight Kings. I had never faced Blight Kings before. And he had a he had a I don't know if it was a command trait or something, but anyone within six inches, not wholly within, of his commander could not issue or receive commands. So this was kind of Bro. It was insult to injury for my poor Blood Knight unit that was kind of just stuck in this like combat that they did not belong in, which uh. was my fault entirely. Um so it was, yeah, it's just a slow and painful rusty death. Yeah, yeah, you got all the tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you feel after that that um better or worse about the the game of Age of Sigmar as oh, better. a whole? Better, for sure. It was a great game. It was a great okay. game. Cool. I mean, I, I was the one that benefited from the double turn rule. It wasn't like a huge opportunity for me because he's a very hard egg to crack. Yeah. Um, and so I killed the Beast of Nurgle in my first turn, not with a double turn, just my first activations in my turn. And then the second turn, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll charge into this massive Blight Kings and uh, characters. And I was like, nope, that was the wrong choice to make. You almost feel obligated to do something to do something with i know you're turn. right actually you're totally right yeah also you there's nothing that says you have to take it if you win the role you choose <sighs> you should have not taken it i probably should have not taken it and then set yourself up for later when you would more value get more value out of it yeah but yeah so uh i'm five and one now sag that's okay though got got game two at twelve fifty. Sorry, no, game one of 1250 against Stormcast Eternals. That's my next game. So I'm, I'm ready to make a new list that's fitted for this new season. Uh, with uh, And we're doing full beans Age of Sigmar now. So it's, Oh, all the beans. It's all it's the, uh, it's the battle tactics. It's the grand strategies. It's the, uh, what's the, the ones that's like you, like Vanguard and, what are those things Battalions? Battalions. Uh, so we're using all the Age of Sigmar rules um, now. That's a, you're just, you're getting a, Drink a water from a fire hose. There yeah. With all that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot, a lot going on. Oh, that's too much, I feel, but. Yes, it, 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 I think the tactics are nice. I think the faction-specific ones are a little a little bad just because some of them are great. Some of them are terrible. Um, so it's kind of a, just another thing for uh, GW to fuck up with balancing. Yeah, and um, it's it's haves and have-nots, which armies have their own yeah. unique ones and which ones don't. So if yours doesn't, you simply have less options. And by and large, right, the right. ones they have for those armies are tailored for the things those armies already want to do. Yeah. And so if you don't have those options... It's a feels bad man kind of moment. Absolutely, um, yeah. All right, well, we'll we'll quit getting fucking knee deep into Age of Sigmar here. <laughs> Speaking of which, I gotta go, when I go to the source today, I need to pick up that new uh, General's Handbook book book bookity book book. Go for it, yeah. I, I got fucking, my, I got mine. Yeah, you, Dan just put it put it on hold for me. The source called me while I was on vacation in Hawaii, and they're like, "There's a book on hold for you." And I was like, "I made no such hold." So then I went in, and it was yeah. Dan put the uh, the new season book on uh, for me. I, you, don't you love that it's the the spiral bound? That's very you nice. You fucking turn it all the way around. That's very nice. Yeah, just, I just it's such a small thing, but it's so well. Yeah, the size of it too is on this giant fucking book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need eighty books by the goddamn game, anyways. So. <laughs> <laughs> Any surface area that I can save is valuable. We talk about what we painted there, Scooty Booty. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to show you because it's already up on my phone right now because it's not here because it is in the mail right now. <laughs> um, I painted. Archon the Cruel, the cruel. Um, which is a Dungeons and Dragons character developed by uh, Joe Manganiello. And um, you got the name right in the video? I, I, I didn't call him Mark Manganiello <laughs> any times, zero times did I say that. <laughs> okay, good. Um, I said a lot of other things wrong, but not that. Um, <laughs> so it's in the 90 millimeter model. It's fucking huge. It's the size give, of the- Give us a, give us a, 
He's probably... Jesus fucking Christ, he's a goddamn action figure. Yeah, he is. He's bigger than a Ninja Turtle from the 90s. <laughs> Ninja Turtle for scale. Okay, cool. I, uh, and the thing was, is I actually wanted that shot from a B-roll, but I didn't have a nice time for me to drive out to my parents and like bring back some He-Mans and some um, some Ninja Turtles from my parents' basement that were all I still have all my toys from when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I wanted that. That's so bad. I'm like, that's such a fucking cool shot. But it's like a five second shot in a laugh, and then it's over. And it's like, well, it's a 25 minute drive each way. I got to get this video done in four days for all the editing. When am I going to do that? So it just didn't happen, which I'm bummed. Yeah. So moral of the story is keep a Ninja Turtle in, in your own house yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll never know when you're going to need it. Maybe a set of Legos, maybe one of those Star Wars action figures. Yeah. Oh, dude, I still have my fucking Darth Maul one in the in the fucking box. Nice. Um, and I have some old the football action figures. You remember when they made no, those? No, I've never seen these. Yeah, they're, what's the name of that fucking company? I don't remember. Hasbro. But, um, but anyway, they had baseball, they had basketball, they had football. I have an old um, Brett Favre one. Brett Favre. Favre. Yeah, and I also have when they did, he did a, for a short number of years, uh, Todd McFarlane, like the Todd McFarlane action figures. They did football ones too. And I got a Brett Favre one of that as well, and that those are all still in their package. They're probably worth like like six dollars now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you're gonna say a value way higher. <laughs> I don't know. I They're got, probably worth six dollars. <laughs> I look them up on eBay. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was. Uh, I had no game plan going into how the fuck I was gonna paint this thing, and I painted it. It's kind of like last minute for you, right? Because you were like back from LVO, kind of stressed out. You're like, God damn, I gotta paint this model now, and then you kind of fucking banged it out. Man, like, gee. So I was I was expecting it to get in the mail to me a couple days before we left for LVO, so I could get a couple days head start and then come back from LVO and finish the painting in the rest of the week, and then have a week to do the video editing and everything. But it, not only did it not arrive the week before, it arrived on Wednesday, the week after. So I painted that thing in about six hours day one, in about two hours day two, eight hours, uh, yeah, between eight and ten hours of painting to paint that thing. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. It was, it was only because I painted atmospherically, right? And I had all this stuff with kind of, but also not really. I I primed it black, and then I did like four or five different inks. Um, obviously inks and by and large are transparent to give a bunch of weird ambient lighting coming. And then did a strong like orange, uh, like a, you know, like a warm light coming from over his right shoulder and then built up with like a, a teal blue with a little bit of white ink in it. So it had more opacity coming from around that glow around his hand and wrist. So I'm like, I got my two light sources, right? And I got my main light source and then my secondary light source and everything was bouncing off of those. And so I could really just focus on actually doing brush painting on the things that were going to catch light. So a large majority of the model has very little extra paint on it, but you almost kind of don't see that because you're drawn to a couple of areas yeah, yeah. and trying to make those kind of basically put my time in where it was going to be most valuable. Yeah. Where's the back of the model, John? I'll take that picture. Uh, I think I have one somewhere. It's <laughs> mostly pink underglow. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I'm like, but it's also a statue. It's a, it's a, it's a piece where I don't even know if I did take a picture of it in the video. If you watch the video, you'll see in the 360, you'll see the back of it. But, um, 
yeah, so that's what I, I painted. And then I also finished up, while I was waiting for that mini to arrive after we got back from LVO, I put in more time to finish my first skeleton for my diorama. Um, I got two more skeletons to go, but after doing that one, I feel um, pretty much like I know what to expect so I can kind of knock those out, although it's still a lot of time in, in making things clean and, and strong hard lines. And I, I had a lot more, I don't want to say struggles, but a lot more unsure feelings about this compared to doing the zombies because so much of this, the skeletons are little, like just tiny little surfaces and then metals in true and doing that in true metallics. Um, so you've made the choice. Yeah. So I'm doing true metallics other than the red, the scream and red armor is of the uh, vampire is going to be more of a, a non-metallic. Yeah. You could definitely do that. Yeah. Cause I think she doesn't shine with the true metallic red armor. I just don't think it works. And as opposed to like going up to that scream and bright, the red by chimera. He's like, that's going to be my, that's going to be that color. Like I want that to hit you in the face compared to the rest of the diorama. Yeah. And I think I need that more than just metallic, metallic red. I think that you could even like paint the armor with a non-metallic metal red and then paint smaller details with TMM silvers and golds. And it would still like be like, no, about an eye. Yeah. I'm hoping so. <laughs> you know, like, cause like, like people say you can't mix like NMM and TMM, like like a gray NMM and a gray TMM because it would just look a little off-putting. I don't know yeah. how true that is. I've never seen anyone really try it. But like with when it's colored, it's like almost like your brain reads it as a different thing and it's like better. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of the metallics there was a lot of fig, kind of figuring out how to, to control the shine. So painting true metallics in a non-metallic way, trying to cut back a bunch of the shine and then reintroducing it in some really strong small pops um the shield was interesting so we're going to talk about that in the after party about dealing with the moonlight coming on the shield with the true metallics from the front light source and i had some interesting situations i found myself in with that mm -hmm. um so anyway that's what i painted okay awesome yeah i, I wanted to mention that on your is it Archon the Cruel? What's his name? Yeah, Archon the Cruel. I like the uh, the purple uh, shadows and kind of like that what military green armor, tan kind of uh, armor mm. plates. I like that. It reminded me a lot of Craftworld Studio, mm. um, that kind of more violet shadow. Yeah, I punched up uh, a lot of magenta in the the lower shadows because it's so transparent and I could like really kind of go hog wild with that. And it ended up on areas where I did more of a midnight blue first. Um, it ended up coming out with this really nice kind of hazy purple color as they built on each other. Yeah, I think it was nice. And then the other thing I wanted to ask was about the skeleton is, are you going to paint, is there another skeleton you have to paint? Two, two more. Two more. Are you going to paint their bone the same way or like with the zombies, are you going to mix up what their bone color is? I'm going to keep it all the same. Okay. Yeah. I think if you're, yeah, I think that's maybe a little bit too distracting if I, if I change that, if there's everything is changey, changey, changey. I want, especially the last two skeletons are in the far back. He's in, he's right in front. Mm. Um, so the vampire's flanked by one zombie and one skeleton kind of off center from each other. And he's in front because he's got the more action pose. Like there's something right off, right off screen in the front that they're about to engage. The other two in the back are more like just shambly. 
Um, and I think because they're in the back and they're kind of helping set the being a part of almost like a backdrop that I don't want them to be, you don't want you to be gravitating towards them too much other than maybe the ones holding the banner for some freehand um, on the, the banner for whatever dynasty or whatever. I'm going to have to just, I'm just going to have to take something out of the book. Yeah. Because it has to be with the yeah, lore. Yeah, absolutely. So, which is fine. I'm, I'm all about not having to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing enough thinking as is. Yeah. Um, I did a little experiment with my stream. I don't typically like batch paint an entire unit from start to finish. Um, I, and I wanted to try to do something like that with this unit. I know I started them when I was trying to paint like Vince for a week, but I didn't get mm -hmm. very far, so I felt like it was okay to kind of show the whole process on stream. Yeah. And so I finished the unit of Silence Bennett, which is a 12-man unit for Song of Ice and Fire, my Greyjoy army. And uh, one of those guys hoisting the axe is the one I painted initially. Um, it was like the that kind of sat down and, and you know painted for like two and a half hours to kind of figure out you know what colors I want to wear and and, and what of them. Yep. And then the other two one you're holding in this one right here are the the speed paint versions, the ones that I uh, tried to paint in 45 minutes a model uh, by, by making this more efficient with airbrushing and like uh, clever color choices and things like that. And what I want to talk about in the preamble ramble is how I extended my ability to use the airbrush um, on these models by having shared shadow colors. So I'll talk about what that means oh, in yeah. the Ramble Ramble. Um, but I thought I got pretty close to my like my target paint job uh, and saving a lot of time, though, with some uh, clever techniques that I kind of stole a little bit of them from my experiences with Soulbar Gravelords, painting skeletons, stuff like that. But, yeah, I'm really enjoying... I don't know, I'm really enjoying art painting right now and like trying to like strive for that like perfect middle of not spending a lot of time, but it still looks pretty nice when you hold it in your hand and looks even nicer in a unit. Um, yeah. And really the, the things about the one I can tell you spent more time on. Yeah. Yeah. That really matter for that one are still here in the other ones. Yeah. Right? I think that's the key thing is what are the things that are taking an equal percentage of your time, but don't give you enough, um, reward for doing that. Yeah. Right. Like all the little tiny bullshit straps, putting an oh extra, God, an yeah, extra dude. layer of highlight to more of a tan on all of them. And like, I don't really even look at that anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and like there yeah, on some of the other poses, like on that guy with the ax above his head, his belt is really well cast or not well cast, but better than the rest. Their other guys, their cat, their belt is just so blobby and just, Yikes. You can't even tell where the like the belt loop is sometimes or whatever the clasp. Um, so it's yeah, it's just like it's not not fun to paint that part. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Thank I think that that's taking that from two and a half hours to forty five minutes. That seems like there's very little drop off, and it's just that fiddly bit drop off. Yeah, yeah. And then I got the bases all ready to go, so I'm just gonna pin them to their bases uh, next stream and. Will be done, man. Just keep them away from the spooge, man. Oh my God, <laughs> for the love of God, <laughs> don't spooge my models, <laughs> please. All right, we're on to the main topic, which is a little decompression chat about Elvia. What happened? We'll go over the 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 con day by day. What happened? Like we did uh, for Adepticon the prior years. Yeah. So uh, when. Uh, we had we found out that our plane was arriving like late Thursday night. Yeah, I left at nine fifty p.m. <laughs> and arrived at what like eleven something or ten something with the with the time zone difference. Yeah, um, and so I was 
we were both feeling pretty stressed about this whole thing leading up to it. Maybe that's where this conversation begins because the goody peepees have not experienced that. Um, leading up to LVO, we were stressed to the max, um, both because we had all of the regular work that we had to, to do for um, our channels um, and get the class all regulated and and figured out and we hadn't done it since pre-pandemic and we had all the groundwork laid luckily but just we would have been fucked if we hadn't done that prior work for sure for sure (laughs) but uh just to re-familiarize go back through the entire curriculum made changes we changed some stuff things that we wanted to um, make sure that we spent more time on things that we threw out um, or just touched on um, reevaluated a bunch of different stuff um, so the combination of that being like we hadn't done this lately um, and making changes and not knowing what those changes were going to turn out like Plus, never having been to this event before, never having been to LVO in any capacity before, so not understanding anything that we were we were getting into logistically, um, it was just a lot. It's a lot, and then knowing we were going to do Tup Live, also not knowing how that was going to go. Yeah, it's just kind of like un- it was like not well defined, and like we're like. We're there the day of it's happening and trying to figure out details. Yeah. Yeah. So not well-defined would probably be the 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 lifeline that I would stay ran through a lot of this <laughs> stuff. And I don't like blame anyone in particular or say that anyone dropped the ball. It was just a lot of things we didn't know. And it, it's gotten our, our similar in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is we really don't like the uncertain, especially when we're kind of doing it live yeah when our when our fans enjoyment is on the line and like you know their experience is on the line we want to make sure that everything is figured out and that like nothing dumb is going to happen or like something's going to be ruined um because we just didn't you know put in that little bit of extra prep work to like make sure all the details were hashed out and we show up with the right stuff and all that all that stuff so yeah Yeah. we just want to make sure that kind of our time isn't wasted you know it's like either we over agreed to doing a certain amount of work or we underprepared and are just not able to do what we wanted to do in the first place at all you know like that waste of time is like the biggest crime yeah one of the things that we both kept going back to was it's fine if the if the shit all hits the fan if we're the ones that take the brunt of it and we're just like well I guess, you know, Scott and John are kind of, you know, kind of screwed on this or something doesn't go the way we had thought it was going to go and we have to have to eat that. That's one thing. But the pressure of making the experience what we really wanted it to be for the students and for people that were going to come to Tough Live, like that was the that was the thing that kind of made me all um, gurgle guts about the whole thing. Um, so I ended up was able to actually my lovely wife was able to get a hold of Delta, get on the phone with Delta and get my flight changed. So I went out at like 11 in the morning on Thursday instead of, you know, arriving at 11 at night. And it was just, it was mostly, it was my own peace of mind that I could go check things out early. I could go check the room before everything is just a freaking hornet's nest and everyone needs something. I can find Seth and Kat and, you know, get the lay of the land. If I needed to like find tables or chairs or I needed to 
you know, figure out where the outlets were. I can, you know, figure out how we were going to set up our big screen. We were going to put the projector, you know, what things we have access to, what things we don't have access to, just kind of mentally, you know, wrap myself around it and understand the whole layout of the whole massive fucking casino, um, as well as its convention hall, all that stuff. Like at the end of the day, that Thursday, I did some stuff, but more, more to me, it was like, I felt like at ease that I now know what we're getting into and we can just focus on, on the students and all that. So, um, that was, that was good. And then you shut up that night. I, uh, there were stories about what happened to me in that first day before Scott got there. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, you can hear about those stories as I retold them at Vegas. But mm. yeah, um, we had done some prior work to prepare for this event because we, we meet up to do the podcast. And so we like, we did a little, we did a little meeting to figure out, okay, what do we need to do to prep for the event? So that like, we're not like surprised. And so one of those things was we had to print booklets mm-hmm. with uh, the laminated booklets for our students so they can use them as a quick reference guide while, while painting the Duchess. So in case like they need to go back to a section or, or see a brief description of like glazing, for instance, they can do that without needing to like interrupt the course of the class. Um, and responsibly, I reached out to the people that we did it with last time called Minutemen Press uh, to get the booklets like maybe two and a half weeks in advance. Um, and the guy responded to me once and then just stopped responding to me. And so I kept emailing him over and over and over again. And what was happening was Minimum Press was going, going through a change of ownership, uh, right when I decided to ask this guy for fucking booklets. <laughs> no. So I was, so what happened was we got in contact with a new owner and like, it was so fresh that he didn't have a till system set up. So he had to drive to another Minimum Press location cause he's buying this new one call my wife get her uh info over the phone to charge her using the till in a different store because the new one is like it's super fresh and so this guy was able to print 22 booklets for us exactly the day we had to leave and that was that was the amount of laminate he had which was fucking perfect because we had 22 students um because yeah if we had 24 it would have been no problem because i had a couple extra from last time but they just weren't as nice as these new ones um so that that was stressful like amber was really freaking out and i was like you know it is what it is like we we tried our best and this we got stuck in a shitty scenario if that's the case we can just mail the booklets to students you know but she was stressing out and that's making me stress out a little bit and then i fucking hey man i underestimated how long it would take me to put together all those goddamn models and we already kind of talked about this at the lvo episodes i won't i won't rehash it but a lot of work to do the day of left really late for the plane while i was on the plane i was having thoughts like oh man like there's a super fragile light bulb in the projector what if that just shatters on the airplane right now i'm I'm just fucked like we're just fucked that's a major component of our class that is a achilles heel that if it's broken game over like game over for that large chunk of our class you know that large value add um and so i had a lot of thoughts like that while flying over it's kind of like me like oh god oh fuck no oh not that please don't happen and luckily nothing critical happened really yeah we forgot one cord one cord that was going to be our light and then we got a bunch of hobby lights from the organization at lvo but you kind of freaked me out because you were like I don't know if they have anything. And I was like, fuck. Yeah, I, I think it was the fact of they did not have, they were not supplying lights for every student for every class. Yeah, but which happens at some some setups. Yeah, which is, you know, as long as we know ahead of time and, and students by and large, I mean, they didn't seem to balk at that. 
Um, it kind of stinks if you got if you have a bigger light at home. How are you going to bring it if you're f- uh, flying? But yeah, yeah. Uh, a fair number of the students actually were within driving distance, so that yeah. was that was nice too. And then the, some brought extra stuff and and all that, and uh, that was really cool. Um, but they had enough, you know, kind of like emergency painting lights, and they fucking hooked us up. So. They did, yeah. That was so that was that was super cool. But I was like prepared to have Amber next day ship us that cable through fedex just so we could have it for at least day two but ended up not needing it so that was great yeah um and i too i was like oh when i was packing because i was trying not to take a carry-on because i'm like i know you were taking a carry-on and you got or not a carry-on a check bag took check bag. two check bags check bag because you had to check the freaking uh um, the screen, which was a good thing that i got there earlier to verify that they did not have white walls because yeah, it was like light colored walls and they were not light colored. They weren't light colored, but also I had made it very clear that I was needing a projector a screen and not only were they not light, but they also were not flat. They were like, there was tons of fucking detail all over them. Yeah. So. so, but that's, it stinks, but it worked out and the, the screen was, was big and it was clear and, and everything was okay. Yeah. So. The one small problem with the screen that I didn't anticipate was that it has an exhaust for the heat that it generates. And since it's low to the ground, it's right next to one of our students. Mm. And so just blasting this poor guy with heat the entire class. And so I found a piece of trash so I could shroud the heat so it would blast it forward and not just like onto this guy's poor back. <laughs> He's uh, just sweating. I know. It's uh, a sweat lodge for the next two days. Yeah, just uh, things you would never think of, right, until they happen. Uh, so now I know for next time. Yeah. But once... You know, the thing was, is like all this stuff leading up to it, that was all this stress and uncertainty, whatever, like once the the class kicked off and we began, it kind of all melted away, right? There were still other uncertainties mostly around at that first day about what the hell was going on with Tub. Yeah. Um, but that that felt really good really quickly of like, oh my gosh, like this is this is doable. And then the students were amazing. It quickly was just about them and us having fun and us doing our best to to help them in any way possible. And I, I, I will stand behind the fact that having two teachers, so you always have somebody, there's always multiple students at any given time that need some help on something. And they don't ask for it. No. You got to fucking, you got to get in there and be like, ask me your question that I know you have that you're not asking right now. Yep. And then they always have fucking questions. They right. always do. Yep. And then typically once you'd get through that, like you'd, you'd you'd have the students make them ask you a question or talk to them about something and then ask them a question mm-hmm. suddenly within about the first you know four or five hours of the class it was like the understanding the expectations the environment that we're in that this is what is not only okay this is what we want for you to get the best experience then it started to change and yeah. they're more open and more um, you know, more questions and, and more deep things. And I was like, God damn. Yeah. Fucking big brain on Brad. Yeah. We had, <laughs> we had circle tables uh, for this class, which you noted was actually really interesting because the people at the tables like developed a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, because they were facing each other, they could see each other for the entire class. And they weren't just all facing forward toward our projector screen. They were having conversations. They were forming bonds. And so they would ask questions about painting. But also, like when I went to a table, we had three uh, larger circle tables. When I went to a table and answered one person's question, everyone wanted 
you know, mm-hmm. answers then. And so then it was kind of like that, that nice, um, that nice kind of feedback loop for, for all of them. Cause they could all hear what I was saying. Cause they're all faced in the same direction, basically where I was. Um, so it was, uh, it was interesting. We, we both enjoyed the circle tables more than we thought we would. Yeah. It was wild as when I, when Thursday, when I got there and Seth first got me into the room, unlocked the room to let me in. He's like, uh, we ran out of rectangular tables. So you have circle tables. And I was like, so in my brain, it was a negative that we needed to overcome. Right, because he, he, he ran out, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was the way it was approached. So, you know, Seth, if you're listening to this, you'd be like, next time you'd be like, you guys are lucky. You're the only ones that get the circle tables. Oh, uh, and it was th- awesome. We weren't the only ones. Whenever I popped my head into a room, they were rocking the circle tables. Mm-mm. Like all the- like. Bill Hahn had circle tables. Oh, uh, well, like I know Andy's, Caleb's. Oh, I didn't see that. Ben, ben and Matt's. Ricardo, see, I thought okay, so I all did. Those, they were in the U shape. The was that what it was? Rectangles, all in a U shape with the oh. with the with the teacher at the one point. Okay, in the center. But U shape is not bad either. Maybe right. Yeah, it would be tougher with ours because we had so many students. Yeah, yeah. For, to do that, but um, to still keep them close enough. But anyway, exactly. It didn't take long before I realized how much of a value this was. Our worry is that there are people that were where they were sitting to look at the screen. Um, their backs would be the screen based on the nature of circles. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, math, right. But then they just kind of sat sideways and looked and and we would go back and forth a lot. And it, I mean, it seemed to work just great. Um, And yeah, that was, it was wild. When I look back at it, one of the things that I think I was most happy with was, um, wasn't even anything we did. Maybe maybe we did it by by creating an environment of it, but that they really like they became their own community, right? And like every student was be able to look up and you look around and see the eyes of every other student. Your back was to nobody at your table in conversations and questions and having someone give advice or give them their feedback in the moment. I just painted this face I just did the first highlight. What do you think? Yeah. It's the kind of things you really can only get when you're sitting at a paint jam, sitting with people with a shared goal of of painting miniatures, especially when you're painting the exact same miniature, the exact same part of that miniature at the same time. Mm-hmm. And having multiple communication styles, multiple layers of experience, uh, multiple perspectives throughout this. So you're not, you got not only my my vision of something and Scott's vision, which were different. Mm-hmm. You got your partners, you got the people on your team um, to also give you that feedback. And then just the fun conversations that were happening. People talked about where they were from and how long they were painting and what games did they play and how they were allergic to penicillin. Dude, fucking everybody in our class is allergic to penicillin. Four fucking people. Four out of 22 allergic to penicillin. What the fuck? Yeah. And, of the 26, 24 people in that room, because I count and count us, there were two type one diabetics that had the little fucking robot, uh, ro- <laughs> the robot pancreas. <laughs> I, I'm one, but there was another one. Yeah. Apparently, just fucking sick people <laughs> watch our shit. Apparently. Dude, yeah. They, they flock. They flock to us, the sick. <laughs> I don't fucking know what I'm saying right now. Yeah. But no, it was, and that was the kind of random shit that would come up uh, that was just fun. Um, and that started with we had everyone t- 
tell them something weird about themselves. Yeah, like, for some reason I started with seizures. Yeah, well, you're the problem then. Yeah, I was. I didn't problem, talk yeah. about the diabetes. No, yeah, they were like, share an interesting fact about you, and I was like, as a child, I had epilepsy, and everyone was like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fucking grim. <laughs> we're ten minutes into this class. Let's talk about our impending doom. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was that was it. We kick them off with with we wanted to know who they were and a weird thing about them because that was like immediately as like everyone's like oh. This is going to be fun. And the whole thing was fun. And, and um, um, doing the trivia and making it a competition. And each table was a team. Uh, we had some uh, we had some fun trivia questions. I was like struggling to come up with enough miniature painting ones. Like I felt like I really probably wasn't trying that hard. I could have come up with more miniature painting ones. So I had other questions about like Jurassic Park. And chicken tenders. Chicken tenders. And the office, <laughs> and Tom Hanks, and, um, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you all think this is just gonna be about miniature painting, and then their brain is all like, you know, they're sitting around the table ready to ready to buzz in if another team gets it wrong or whatever, and then the question comes off, and they're like, fucking what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ain't no one gonna know this. <laughs> we had a uh, we uh, there was a, there certain kinds of questions. There was a it was kind of question. I know that there's probably a term for it, but. Um, it's like a betting question. So what I do is I would ask a question like, my team can name X number of chapters of Space Marines, right? And so we'd start with the team and they say, we can name six. And then we go around to the other teams. So we can name seven, we can name eight, whatever. And so it's that fine line of if you bet, and you know, you, you say the most and everyone else is like, no, I can't name more than that. You get double points if you get it right, but you lose points if you get it wrong. So it was this fine line. And that short. motherfucker got 34? 30 is 31 and 34. It was something over 30 space marine fucking chapters. Yeah. So their team bid up and bid up and bid up. And they were this one dude. Oh, this one dude was sweating bullets, dude. He was like, I, he was like at thirty. He was like at like the last one, and he was like, we were giving him ten seconds because he was kind of taking a long time toward the end. And I obviously don't want to give him forever to think about it because it kind of feels a little cheap. And so I was like counting down ten seconds, and he was sweating it. But man, he got it. It yeah. was incredible. He put that team on his back because <laughs> that was it, dude. Nobody else. After they were all like uh, ultramarines, uh, <laughs> blood angels, raven guard, and then when they got to about six, it was all on him. Yeah, dude. And he named chapters I didn't even heard of before. They could have been making up. He could have been making up shit right there, and I wasn't going to be knowing. But there was enough other like space marine fucking homeboys in there that they were calling him on oh it. yeah they were they were on him yeah, they're like well technically the Stardust chapters those aren't you know, those don't count or whatever yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, caught him on a couple things he still got there yeah uh, we had another question about like naming paint brands and the one guy who answered i think it was ira he just crushed it there was no hesitation he like i think he like said he could list like 15 or 16 he just did it like instantly yeah it was incredible yeah that's a man after my own heart just loves to sell <laughs> some, some paint brands loves yeah. it yeah but that was i, I mean having um I mean, taking a, a, a painting class especially one that is two days or even one day when you're talking about eight hours um two days of eight hours one day of eight hours alone is, is a lot yeah it's a lot of it's taxing first it's it's physically taxing because almost none of us on a regular basis let alone irregular basis paint that long yeah in a day yeah yeah and it's you know it's physically taxing um it's also kind of like mentally draining it is. It so is. for us to chop things up with get up stand up move stretch 
you know, go find a snack, do something. Let's have some fun and, and get your brain on something else and do some silly questions and, and all that kind of thing. I think that's really important. Um, and it, it brought people from, from their energy, just sapping for the, the last two hours of each day. And I didn't feel that overall. I felt like by and large, people were still like going strong and not mentally checked out. Yeah. I think the only kind of mental checkout came from us clearly kind of not clearly, but like rushing through the end. It's like, Oh, there isn't enough time to do what was planned. We're going to have to, you know, take some evasive maneuvers here. And so when that happens for me as a student, I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I can focus on, but I can't like rush through these things and like really absorb anything. So I think we got some great feedback for the class. And I think one thing that I want to change, um, just because I also felt it as well, is that we're just trying to teach too much. Yeah. I think, I think while TMM is a great topic that I want to teach and that I'm excited about right now, I don't think the Duchess is the right model for it. I think it's very finicky, the armor she has, and it's just also... I'm always like concerned that like if you can't very clearly demonstrate something, it just doesn't translate like at all. And so it's like hard to paint that small gauntlet with all its ridges and all its like bat wing motifs and stuff like that and have it like be understood by someone who has no idea what, what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was very fiddly. Very I would fiddly. Like, I would like a nice unencumbered singular bracer. Exactly. Or... With, with no bullshit in that middle part. Yeah, that would be quality. Yeah. And I think you could take that away. Um yeah, I think it, it kind of it's really interesting because certain aspects of that class we that we leaned into um, the model worked really well for. Yeah, really yeah. well for learning how to blend over larger, smooth surfaces, how to take advantage of what wet blending can do for you from a starting point, from what layering can do to give you precision, what glazing can do to to give you a, a great final finish. Mm-hmm. The cloth was great. You know, even showing how to do, you know, painting black and painting white are are not easy um, showing that. And then the face, like doing oh skin God. tones, doing faces like that Some model change with the face. I feel like because I was painting for like six hours straight or five hours straight. And I feel like that was just that it took too long. I think I think I mean, I was going around nonstop and I felt like that a lot of people hit a lot of breakthroughs and a lot of people. Yes. The things that I pushed people on. Um, sometimes two, three, four times was where they they felt they were leaving their comfort level and then feeling like you have the support. I'm here to help you. We're all going to do this together. We're going to go brighter. We're going to go further. We're going to get out of the comfort zone um, and then see what that difference is from where you felt good to what it ended up as the face was the biggest portion of that to really push through boundaries. Um, and I'm glad I did not feel like it was that long. And okay. I don't think the students did either. Um, that it was, you sometimes you need to really just dig in and, and do it in a sitting to realize, Oh, this should take me longer. There are more steps to this if I want to do them or how can I take what I've learned here and condense it into a three or four version step? Yeah. To, to knock out more stuff faster. Yeah. So I think working on one half of the face helped me to really focus and show the students that this is what it could look like on the entire face if you had twice as much time. Yeah. And I think um, that showed really well because um, I, I recall when you showed that on screen, there was a lot of students in the class that were like, what? Yeah. Wow. 
I was trying to show it on the camera, but obviously you can't paint and watch the entire process at the same, you know, at once. And it's like, it's, it's a lot of very tiny little fiddly blends you're doing, right? Like yeah. you're just kind of like making micro adjustments. I wish that my painting style was, was magical and clear and obvious, but it really, it really is just like tons of small brushstrokes over time combined together to make a final result. So it's kind of like, it's not hard to demonstrate or it's not easy to demonstrate very simply. Yeah, there's. I mean, certainly less sexy than uh, Ben you know, Comis. Ben Comis doing a, a loaded brush. Yeah, it's and, definitely and less sexy. And starting sure. starting right under the lid, and then it's just like shoosh in one whippy whoppy motion. Yeah, like it's it's done all that. However, I will say this: that I know Ben didn't start that way, and none of us do. And I think you have to understand what you're going for and what the steps are to get there to then understand how you can do that, achieve that in less brush strokes. But mm. you first need to do it in 50 brush strokes to then understand how you can achieve the, sim the same result in 25 brush strokes. Okay. So I think you first gotta walk, you know, and then, sure. then you can ride a bike. For sure, that's definitely, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's definitely true. Um, I think one of the things is that one of the students informed me that the class was targeted uh, at beginners to advanced painters, which is just way... <laughs> that's, fucking, that's not what I wrote originally in my no. class description. So I don't know how, wh where the breakdown of communication happened. I don't know. But yeah, we're shooting for definitely intermediate to advanced, not not beginners. Yeah, it's just fucking the shotgun approach. Yeah. Just fucking shoot him across the bow. Yeah, we'll take them all. Yep. Take Everyone's going to have a good time. Let's go. Um, but you know what? Um, there, was a, there was one or two students in there that um, kind of self-diagnosed as beginner, and we, and we could uh, identify that early on. Yeah. And goddamn, I think they made the most steps, the most progress. Yeah. I think one thing I really was a great test as to whether or not the class was valuable is I had like maybe five people tell me they had what they called light bulb moments, and I was just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like you had a breakthrough and a thought process, and now it's going to shape the way you paint for the, the rest of your hobby. Like that's what that's what it is for me, at least when I experienced that. And that's always been like a huge moment for me in a hobby, or like you know, like a small moment, but it's still like very impactful. And so, like if we could do that for five people in our class, like that, that's amazing. That's a uh, that's a, a good test that we're doing a good job, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, or it was probably all 22 and they were just too, you know, that's what it was. Shy. That's what it was. Yeah. The, the introverts, you know, and they're like, oh gosh, <laughs> my life's changed forever now. I don't want to tell anybody though. Dude, fucking Travis came in with some, with some fireball shots. <laughs> we, were, we were doing fireball that guy had a, he had a case, he had a cooler and he brought, he brought a, a crispy cold Dr. Pepper in a can for me because of the episode we're talking about, you know, what would you put on your rider as a, as a rock star mini painter? So that was awesome. DP. That was awesome. Yeah, DP. Yeah, and we got I drank some uh drank some beers. Yeah, I had some I had some uh a day two you were letting it rip. Fireball, dude. I uh dude, I was like so happy to be done with Tup Live. You're like painting that metallic silver gauntlet and you're like three fireball like a little baby shots deep and like a, a Miller Light or whatever. And I was yeah. like, dude, how's he doing this? Dude, I his practice. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> practice. Um, yeah, dude, that's, that's you know, you just got to throw away the inhibitions before you go cross-eyed. <laughs> All right, Natasha Bedingfield, relax. Yeah. <laughs> you just, uh, before you go cross-eyed, that's just it. Yeah, you got to you gotta ride that line, right? If you don't get right in there, you can't shoot down that Death Star. <laughs> you know? You'd be fucking red leader, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, that was great. Uh, just so many characters in our class, you know, and we had some a lot of really nice emails um, after we'd gotten back home from students. And to me, it's important that they feel the value and is worthwhile to actually level up in some regards or get a little bit more confidence or feel like they have support uh, on their mini journey. But it's also like if it's not memorable for also being fun, I feel like like I haven't done the best that I could do. And so it's really important to me that if people are in a good headspace and they're laughing or they're smiling or they're in a good mood, um, that the ability to learn and absorb and take more out of it is just that much greater. Yeah. Um, you know, you could be the most intelligent, best teacher in the world, and we've all had these, whether in high school or, or college or something. But if it doesn't foster a positive learning environment, like your brain just does not is not ready to soak that stuff up. So yeah, I, and if honestly, if we're not there and having fun, why the fuck are we teaching it? Like yeah, we want to be there, yeah, right? We we had enough stress, and it was a blast. <laughs> yeah. What if we had all that stress and we were just like so goddamn serious and be like, you need to understand all of the light sources. <laughs> if you don't get them right, then you fucked it all. We're just we just turn into strong bad. Yeah. When teaching this class, <laughs> it's a cheat. The cheat. Um, yeah, okay, so, so that I mean, that's kind of all encompassing. Those are all my thoughts. Yeah, about the uh, class. So, yeah. well, let's dig into top live. So, so yeah. So day one of our class finishes. And so it was 10 to 6, and Top Live is at 9. Yeah. And that one would assume three hours, that's plenty of time. It was not. It was not plenty of time. So we get out at maybe like 6.30 because we had to pack up some stuff because we didn't know when the room was locking. Uh, so we brought some things like our laptops, our cameras, the projector back to our room um, to to kind of, you know, you know protect them. And that fucking walk from our classroom to so our room. So goddamn long. So long. So goddamn long. Uh, and so like walking from there, you know, kind of getting out at 630, walking to the room and then back. We were like, actually, you know what? We were walking around with the shit looking for Simon, who we'll call Vel for the rest of the episode. That was his nickname. Apparently all the LVO guys had nicknames. Mm. And so we're walking around with our backpacks and our my projector and stuff. And John had a message from Vel saying, I'm sleeping in the green room and you need me, come and get me. Come wake me up. Okay. And so we're walking around. We go into the big main room where the podcast is going to be. We find some people with yellow shirts on, people working for the LVO organization. And we're like, do you know where the green room is? And we asked, I swear to God, like 10 fucking people. And not one of them knew where the fucking green room was. Right. No. <laughs> and this, like, it wasn't until after the fact that I realized for both the day before when I got there, trying to track down Val, and then also that evening we were trying to get to Val. Um, yeah, it was he was our literal Valhalla that we were trying to achieve. Is it Val or is it Vel? Val, V A L. All right, okay, Val. Sorry. Um, which is that was the name of my grandpa. His name is Val. Oh, cool. Val Jean. 
His full name is Val? Yeah. You know, Val, Val Jean or Val Jean. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Is the only other person I've ever heard named Val, but this probably wasn't his, his given name. Maybe it was his middle name. Anyway. His name was Simon. <sighs> Simon's a lot less cool. Let's go with Val. <laughs> okay. We um, this entire time, all afternoon Thursday, and then all evening Friday, we're asking for Simon, and no one knows who the fuck Simon is. <laughs> It's so weird. It's like, and then at some point, like the with the the guy, and I, I'm blanking on his name. We met so many goddamn people, and we're terrible with names to begin with. So I apologize. That he was the the videographer, photographer guy for LVO. He knew. He knew where the green room was. Yeah. So we met this like he was. Uh, well, he's at the desk. He's at the the registration desk. Right. And so he took us to the green room. So we're still carrying all our shit and we go into the green room and there is no person in this room. So I'm like, okay, where the fuck is this guy? But there was a Henry Cavill mask with eye holes cut into it. Yeah. Uh, there was random treats. There was like a, like a prop, like a, I don't know, like a choppa from like the orc race and 40 K. And yeah, there was a bunch of treats, Hawaiian treats. We were even offered some delicious Lilaha like flavored, like, uh, snacks and stuff. You like macadamia nuts? Macadamia nuts, of course. Um, Kona coffee, why not? You know, it's just it's basically like the like an airport like like uh, like convenience store just right. like in this place. Yeah. And we talk about okay, so this is the green room for the massive stage at the Rio for like where they had the massive concerts and stuff. Yeah, and so that was weird. It was surreal. Like this yeah. is where like like celebrities go yeah. and it looked like something out of a goddamn movie where they had this whole, the whole one wall was just lined with the whole wall was a mirror with like uh, a tabletop against it with a bunch of chairs with all those old timey like vanity big ball lights, vanity yeah. lights yeah, all yeah, around yeah. them yeah. like you're in the back of like a burlesque show or some shit yeah yeah but there's a bunch of fucking 40k shit everywhere yeah. <laughs> just a bunch of nerd shit but also 40k shit yeah <laughs> so that was wild and then the fucking roadie from Metallica comes in so yeah so okay <laughs> we're, we're sitting in this goddamn room the guy who brought us there originally leaves to go get someone and I assume he's going to get Val and so yeah the goddamn I think his name was was it Garrett? I can't remember his name. Garrett. Yeah, he shows up. He, he's looking exactly like you to drive him, like a roadie from, from Metallica. And I'm like, Val, like, nice to meet you. He's like, oh, I'm not Val. And I was like, I was like Where the, when the fuck are we going to meet this guy? And he's sleeping. And everyone's, like, really kind of, like, conscientious of that, trying not to wake him up. And, like, so then eventually we made it clear to them that this guy wanted us to wake him up when we were done with our thing because we need to talk to him about an event that we're doing. And no one fucking knows what Tup is at this point that we've no. spoken to. No. So, like, like the confidence levels are dropping rapidly. <laughs> Rapid. And so we're sitting there again. The, the, the roadie from Metallica <laughs> eventually goes to get Val. And then he comes back. And this guy is tired as fuck. And you could yeah. tell. We learned that the all the AV crews, the stu- the guys that were making it all possible, yeah. all in the back behind the massive curtain where the big stage was, they had this whole fucking setup going. Again, something out of a movie where they're out doing all this shit. Yeah. Like they're working nonstop all day, every day for the whole event. And they have heavy gear back there. Yeah. Like to make that happen and make all those streams happen for all those games, they had some serious equipment. Um, it was actually really cool to see all of it and see people like working on it. So I, once Val comes in, I, cause I had a, a, a video call with him leading up to the event where it was really good. Was, that was really good. And yeah. I felt really confident and like he understood he watched up, like he knows yeah. us yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. He walks in 
like it was like he was still three quarters asleep. I think he was. Yeah, he did not understand words. Yeah, he did not remember anything we had talked about. <laughs> he was like the when I knew we were fucked. He was like he was like, did someone tell? What was the other fucking nickname he was saying? The Tickler? No, that's my nickname. There was a, there was a guy he mentioned. He was like, "Did someone tell this guy about about this happening?" I was like, "I was like, who the fuck is that guy?" I don't know. I was like, "Does he have to know?" Like, oh, it was like Fletcher or something like that. Sure, it was something like that. And I was just like, I was like, "Are we screwed right now?" Like, is is like our, is the stage like gonna be needed when we need it or something like that? I thought we were totally doomed when he was asking questions like that. I was like, well, "No one knows who we are. We're fucked. <laughs> this is game over. Game over, man." And then. Then it went from that to okay, you guys go drop your shit off in your room, come back, and it's we're like seven thirty this yeah, point, right? Yeah, come back at eight. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna get everything set up. We're good to go. Yeah. Um, a side note to this that uh, plays into all of these stories was that not only was it at least uh, at least a quarter mile walk from the convention hall to our hotel room. It felt even longer than that because we were on the far like west side. Our tower of the hotel was the far west side of the entire building. And you have to go to the far east side of the entire ca- casino to then enter the entrance for the convention hall, from which you're only halfway there at that point. You still had to walk the rest of the way to get there. Anyway, so every trip we take... We're having conversations with people. People yeah. are stopping us or chatting or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Which As was, is normal, right? Which was amazing. But it turned any trek into a 30-minute walk. A 30-minute walk minimum. So we get back. We're like, oh, we're finally get into the hotel room. Set our stuff down. It's like 8, 10. Sit down. <laughs> it's after the time we were supposed to be back there. Yeah, yeah. So we turn around and do it. And then we fucking, I realize at this point that there is critical gear in the painting room that we need for uh our recording mm-hmm. and so we there is no time to rest we're late to get back anyways for like uh it's like our sound check and things like that and we had to get back to the room which is like a little bit further than the actual convention hall and so i get in that room luckily it isn't locked and as i'm in it the janitor is picking up the the trash and i'm like are you guys gonna lock the room she's like yeah i'm doing it right now and i'm like holy shit like there is a god like, i got in there i got the stuff went over there it was like what 8 20 8 15 yeah um i'm not sure my, my timetables are adding up right now um but uh yeah and we sat down and then val and garrett just did a bunch of work fucking rocked it out we didn't do anything we just sat there and they figured out all the problems for us all the cameras all the everything you know and it still did not go uh without a hitch if you saw the end of last episode there was a little snafu of things um with sound from a stream still running through the feed yeah so then there was just like a high level of like ambient music that was playing but yeah, yeah. honestly a whole all things considered how much this was a like a tornado of uncertainties <laughs> that's a great way to put it <laughs> it, it turned out great the, the crowd yeah. is great yep. i counted at yep. one point it didn't look like there was fucking anybody there because we're in this like fucking football stadium size goddamn yeah, room each row is separated by a six by four like warhammer table row of warhammer tables yeah at one point i counted 62 or 64 people in the middle of the episode but like people were coming in or you know it w- that one thing that i wish in in hindsight that and and maybe 
they just needed to see that we were a real thing um, was that we got more support for advertising or making aware to the people that were there that this was an event that anybody could go to. Yes, yeah, so like if you don't, if you never heard of us, and like you're like, oh, a hobby podcast. Like, what's the deal with this? Because like most of most podcasts, like gaming stuff, and so maybe yeah. that would interested some gamers, and they would have showed up, and we could have like like grew our audience a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, even still, it was great. The questions yeah. were great. Great camera angles. We had oh, yeah. we had an angle of the person asking the questions. We had. Uh, an angle that showed the audience through John and I. Yeah. A couple comments on the episode actually not liking that shot because it made the crowd look artificial. It looked like yeah, a green screen. A green screen. Um, and so that was kind of interesting hearing that. Um, because I think it was due with how the focus was set up because it was focused on them. So we were kind of looked like it was like a mystery science theater where there was yeah. an outline of us and they were all clear. Yeah, and they were well lit and we were well lit. So it wasn't like either one of us was dark. It was like we were right. both, and that makes it even look a little bit even more artificial because normally that doesn't happen. Normally the background is overexposed or it's too dark, but it, that was yeah. not the case. It, but they were, we were both lit, but it looked like we were lit by different sources too. We, yeah, and yeah, we Because we, totally we were. were. Yeah. So it makes it feel like, well, the lighting on what I see in the front here doesn't match with the lighting in the back. So it makes it even look more like a green screen. Yep. That said, that shot wasn't used a ton. Anyway. No way. But I thought that fucking when they showed us that that was the shot that they had, I was like, this is fucking amazing. It was cool. Yeah. There were so many cameras. There was so much gear. If I had any time, I would have just loved to like just sit down and talk to those guys behind stage and just talk about like what kind of what they're using for their live stream equipment. Because that, that's such a fun and exciting like uh, like thing for me at the moment is like it's, it's a new it's a new challenge live production. Um, and so I'm curious what like the, the pros use. Yeah, I at one point, and I know I I realized it in myself after you mentioned it. Where a good buddy Travis then brings us up some hard Mountain Dews <laughs> and some more Fireballs, and I realized after you said, "Well, man, I've had like a third of a can of this Mountain Dew, and I'm feeling it." And then I realized, like, shit, I've been drinking pretty good now, and. <laughs> We, at that point, I don't know about you, I hadn't eaten a meal in like 36 hours. Yeah, yeah. There was not a lot of eating going on. Which was like, in hindsight, you know, that's that's the way of things. And I always bring snacky poos with me to like, because I need to. Yeah. Um, and other things can get like medically very dangerous. Um, so I have enough to just basically like keep the boat from sinking kind of a thing, but not eating a meal for anything that's sustainable to keep me going. I was like... I'm getting a little, uh, get a little loopy loop here, yeah, yeah. and that was felt good. Good. And then, you, then you came out of backstage with an American flag, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I went back into the green room to the pisser, and then at that point, I had the revelation that I bet Elvis pissed in this pisser. <laughs> Probably was the hard Mountain Dews talking. Oh yeah. And then I'm coming out, and there's a fucking American flag in the back of the stage, and I'm like, let's opportunity fucking, of let's a lifetime. Do this, and I grab the flag, and I'm like Val, and I look at him, and he's like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Val was nothing but like the positive instigator, the yeah. kind of guy that like when you have a bad idea and he's there, he encourages you how bad, how good that bad idea is. Dude, and I yeah. fucking love that. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like for, for all like the, the negative experience it was like meeting him and like him not knowing like what was going on initially afterward, he like woke up and started to like kind of kick it into gear. He was a fucking riot, dude. That guy was yeah. awesome. He's hilarious. Yeah. I, got some, I got some footage um, of him. I'm going to do a video kind of recap on my experience at LVO. I have some footage of like the last day. It was Sunday. 
Uh, and I was just going around and, and I got some really cool stuff. And one of them was like, I found him. He was up on the stage. He was like fucking wrapping up cables and shit. Mm. And I just turned the camera on him. And he starts talking about slap chops. <laughs> and he's, uh, oh God, he's funny. So um, what, a, what a character. There was so many characters there. So many people that we met, um, which is kind of the, 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 the storyline that I'm taking for my video, which probably by the time that this, episode is airing that video will will be out is the unexpected the unexpected experiences i had with gamers that were tournament player gamers there and what their like their hobby experience their hobby journey what they valued in the hobby and what what that looked like is not something that i really had conversations about with people before and it just was like these all these these small conversations that on their own what weren't like like revelations but because i had so many similar conversations from with people that are like in the hobby of, of a kind of a, on a different parallel path to mine that i just completely hadn't thought about right yeah how, how they do things how they think what the, yeah, they value all that stuff yeah and it totally made me um have some aha moments. So I really appreciated all that. So every single one of you goddamn sweaty 40 K tournament players. <laughs> I pre that's why I appreciate it about you. That's what he appreciates. <laughs> I, uh, I love how my reputation for being like a GW leak is preceding me into, oh, the, yeah. into, the, into the gamer sphere. I fucking love it. <laughs> and so poor Caleb Wissenbeck got his case with painted, beautiful primarchs, pri multiple primarchs. And other shit stolen while it was hanging out somewhere near the GW booth in the vendor hall. It got stolen. And I was like, so that was sad. But Val was telling me that there was a rumor going around that I was the one that stole it. And so, like, I have this reputation as, like, whenever something mysteriously happens, it's fucking Scott's fault. <laughs> I right. fucking love that. It was so funny. It was good that, like, we would, as part of the setup and some of the other awesome LVO staff were there and whatever, and we hadn't even introduced them yet. They were walking around doing, yeah. doing stuff. Didn't know who they were, whatever. And randomly, they're like, there's a talk about something. Uh, related to like some some uh, 40k game or something and whatever and then just randomly guys would be like well make sure scott doesn't take any pictures of that yeah 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 like they're just cracking jokes and then i i think i started to slowly figure out while they were setting up for tough live that more of them knew about our podcast than i had originally thought because they were talking about things from the podcast and shit like canes and stuff like that and i was like oh, okay so we are with people that kind of know like what's going down so that made me feel more comfortable as well because i kind of knew what our basic production looks like and what our you know minimal requirements are. Yeah, that was that was so cool. I yeah. mean, it was very it was a very humbling experience because yes, the whole 40k tournament scene, um, and even there was a, the Age of Sigmar tournament was massive as well. Like I I I felt more like we're all in this together in that weekend than I've ever felt. I've never really felt that the game first and the paint first we're 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 one in the same i feel like they are the same coin they're just different sides of it but they st you still need both sides otherwise you know it's not a coin anymore you know what i mean yeah yeah it's just a flat plane <laughs> yeah dude it's just in a, like in a, a 1d world <laughs> it's like a coin that you put on a train tracks and the train runs over it and then it just squishes all of the fucking george washington's face off it dude Dang, dude nobody wants that no squish wants that. that squish coin that jw gw wow jesus christ I don't know what it's called, George Washington. Apparently. W W G W do. <laughs> <laughs> what would 
GW do? They'd raise uh, prices six percent. Oh, that's a spoiler. Uh, spoiler for the news section. Spoiler for the news section. Um, yeah. So, Tup Live ended. It was a good experience. I got, did a little crowd surfing at the end there. Dude, how about, how about that for a fucking memory for the rest of your life? That's fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I was, I don't know how many people gr- groped your nards. But I hope it was couple, at least three. I got a couple gropers. Uh, it's, 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 it, next next time at Adepticon, there's a stage. It's your turn, bud. Yeah. I'm, dude, I'm just going to do the the, the creed. Uh, <laughs> and then I just put the fucking Jesus cross sign and I just drop backwards. There you go. And then everyone parts. <laughs> <laughs> the trust fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be sad. Oh, man. Great, great footage, though. Don't drop John if he does that, please. <laughs> Come on, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> <Ready> to <dig. laughs> All right, now I, I got a new goal in life. <laughs> that Michael Staff treatment. <laughs> okay. Um, so we have a, a we have a great end of the show, and we get pictures with people. We get to chat with people. That's my favorite part of fucking Top Live. Yeah, there just, was no line like Adepticon. It was just a mob of people. It was just a circle. It was a semi circle. We just hung out for like I don't know 30, 45 minutes. Because yeah, I think the reason why was was at the end of uh, Adepticon Live, you like gave instructions like a fucking teacher. You're like, what? if you want to chat with us, you want to get a picture, or whatever, make a line here, and then we'll go out afterwards. So people just listen to you. Um, oh, okay. This also was a much bigger room that, yeah, like, that. Yeah. Although they were used to the line, we had fucking macaroni there. We did macaroni, the defense dog. Yes, you know, great job, defense against the dark arts. No one get, no one got a line. No, macaroni did not e- need to chomp on anybody. No one. Um, so we met macaroni at uh, love macaroni in Austin, and yeah, in uh, in Adepticon last year, and sure enough. They were there. They're there again. Macaroni miniatures. If you want affordable, like uh, STLs, not STLs, like physical models, like for academic busts, for instance, that aren't like forty bucks, but are more like twenty bucks or twenty-five bucks, check out macaroni miniatures. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were quality, very simple busts used for academic purposes, but also way more models than just that. They weigh more than just the busts. Yeah. So yeah, macaroni had his own booth even. Yeah. So I got anyway. two stickers from them as well. Oh, this is sweet ass stickers, and I got got some stickers from people like fucking guy in the the bojangled bodysuit gave me a oh yeah the party at the all points guy party at the all points yeah. dude the first day that I saw him he was wearing fucking short short Hawaiian shorts and like a Baywatch <laughs> man like, after my own heart dude like a Baywatch sleeveless shirt I fucking love it look like he just got off the beach in a fucking fanny pack and he's whipping out he whipped out a sticker for me and I was okay, like looking he's whipping that out not something else dude yeah that dude was there to party dude he was I love it he was fucking Chris Pontius of LVO <laughs> party boy yeah um, so we finally get done there we get up drop was that a jackass our- reference yeah it was. okay 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 um drop off our shit or no we didn't even drop off no, our we shit. didn't we, we didn't have shit we what? had yeah we had some shit but we didn't drop off when we were like yeah, dying like of dying of hunger yes so uh, at like midnight yes we yeah. went to walk around to all of the restaurants in the in the whole fucking rio to find if anything was open yes and the pho place was open the pho place was open and we had some recommendations from kenny boucher and also from some of the guys involved in um uh, Magikarp used Fly and Bricky and like their whole like uh, crew over there. They had also recommended the Fa place, and so it come it come twice recommended. And twice so recommended. We went for it. I got some I got some mystery meat. 
Oh yeah, dude, you got the one with the tripe and the fucking yeah. box balls and, and shit. It wasn't bad. I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, I go straight usually straight brisket, beef brisket, because um, I don't like eating like thoraxes and shit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was good. The broth, the broth was good. The broth was solid. I was probably like a nine out of ten, nine point one out of ten. One bite, everybody knows the rules. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, that broth was killer. Um, noodles and meat. Less so, but the, if if you got a good broth on your pho, I mean, yeah. you're there, baby. Yeah. That's all you need. That felt so good to just sit down and eat. Oh, my God, yeah. Because at that point, it was like, all we have left is day two of the class, and that is just like, that. it's kind of easy. Because like, now that we know that day one is fine, we have all the gear, nothing catastrophic happened, everything else is set in motion. We have you know our slides, we have our or whatever, like the notes we have outside of the slides. Everything's planned. Like, we're fine. Like, there's no more mystery, basically. Yeah. All we got to do is fucking sit here and eat this lovely soup. Yeah. And it was that was, just, so that was just such a fucking, just a sigh of relief at, yeah. th- at that time. It nourished both our souls and our stomachs. Yes. Yes. Uh, so we went went back, fucking crashed. Uh, had the I think that was in our first great conversation about the uh, the window. Like yes. we, we had recognized it before, but understanding how much you could actually see through the window between our bathroom and the bedroom. Um, so if someone was in the shower, you could just see him in the shower. We didn't get that shot, though. I know. I thought when I watched the episode back, I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I forgot that shot. Did you meet anyone you didn't expect to meet? Because I met Demeki from Dice Check. You know Demeki? His name sounds familiar. Yeah, the name is super familiar. But I met him for a brief period, and that was so awesome. I wish I could have talked to him for longer, obviously. But he, I think he was on his way to a game, and I was on my way to a class. I met Demeki, and then I also met uh, the guys from Season of War, uh, the Age yeah. of Sigmar channel as well. Did you meet anyone? Yeah. Um, well, the, the Play on Tabletop guys were there. Nice. That was cool. Um, I, the problem is, is oh, oh. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, now you gotta remember the fucking names. No, I I know it. He's the Australian dude that does Age of Sigmar. And I'm oh AOS shorts. Uh, AOS coach. AOS coach. Okay, fucking coach. Yeah, I got to meet Coach, and I had a great conversation with him. Again, everything is in like these five minute spurts of time of right. just meeting people. Like, and I'm on my way to a class right now. Let's talk five minutes. Yeah, all so walking. Ta- talking to Coach was wild. It's one of those like he's kind of a larger than life person. Both like like visually he's just like he's, he looks like a character and like he's he's got a massive personality so kind of like talking with him in person was really fucking cool um i know that there were other people there that i met that i thought um just like a bunch of people that were were fans or patrons oh for sure yeah that was awesome we, we got- met uh the guy who does um oh man umbrella games we met him yeah store owner for kyle. games kyle yeah which um Kyle is such a fucking sweetheart. He's he really such, is. He's so chill. Yeah, he. I mean, he's so much more of like a like a mild, just mild mannered, soft spoken dude. That in a sea of boisterous people, yeah, just really authentic dude. And we love Kyle. So. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I felt that as well. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about Kyle. Yeah. I didn't mean I didn't mean to sidetrack us there. I just cause no, that's good. I, I forgot about Demeki, and that happened earlier in our trip. And I wanted to mention that I saw him. Yeah, I um, didn't see. Uh, I didn't see any. You know, I didn't see Henry Cavill. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see fucking Spider Man. What's his name? 
Fucking Spider-Man. <laughs> the, the young guy, the new one. Oh. Not Tom? To, yeah, the Tom. actual actor? Yeah, the actor. Why the fuck would you have um, seen him? Because apparently he's learning 40K from Henry Cavill. He's getting into it. Oh, seriously? And also the dude. I just saw the dude that uh, plays Hopper on Stranger Things. There's pictures of oh, okay. him on Instagram okay. painting Space Marines. Oh, seriously? Yeah, he had fucking right. sexy gogs on too. All right. That's a guy I want to reach out to, man. That's a bit of me, that guy right there. there yeah. You there get you get go. Some, get some fucking painting in with the sexy gogs. Yeah. Um, so we fucking ate some fucking soup, went back to our room, and we watched diners, drive-ins, and dives for oh, 30 shit. minutes yeah, or yeah, something like did. that. Yeah, we did. It, it was like 1 a.m. at this point or 1.30 and yeah. then kind of went to sleep. It's our second Mystery Science Theater 3000 moment for the weekend where it was us just fucking commentating and shit talking about diners, drive-ins, and dives the whole time. Uh, And it was this was a scary moment because I was glad that you adulted there because I was at that point where I was like, I was so tired and you get your second burst of energy and you're laughing and you're doing something and I was just like, I don't want this fucking night to end. And then I was like, no, I was like, no, we got to go to class. And I'm like, okay. And then I fucking zonked out right away. Yeah. I was out, you know, pro tip, uh, when you're not sleeping in a fucking twin size bed with another grown ass man at a convention, <laughs> you sleep way better. Unless you drink a lot of alcohol. Like we'll discuss on day two. <laughs> that did not happen. No, yeah. It fucking happened. You are not getting out of this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you, oh, des- no. you deserve what's coming. Uh, all right. All so right. we woke up. Dude, I, I didn't pee the bed. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, we woke up. We did our class two. Uh, I don't know if we need to explain much about what happened. It was kind of more of the same, but uh, at the end, we get to do the fun thing where we take pictures of the of the students, where we get to take pictures of their models, and everyone says a lot of nice things as they're kind of heading out. Um, yeah, we require them to say nice things that are not allowed. We require to leave. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's part of the it's part of the ticket cost. Yeah. Um, so that was super nice, and then we kind of went into the evening of that third day technically and we had a little lunch with jason craze of monument hobbies slow fuse on twitch if you uh, know him there and also steve garcia um, an amazing american painter uh, myself uh, john um casey casey and also jen uh yes. jason's wife right uh partner, i don't know partner. if they're married yeah partner. Significant other. Yeah. And so we went out to a steak place and Jason treated and it was super kind of him. It was really lovely food. And we had just a fucking amazing conversations. Like, yeah, the, the amount of knowledge at that table was fucking incredible. Yeah, it was so wild. And I had never um, met Steve in person before, but I fucking love Steve. Steve also played a key moment later in the evening. Uh which was part of my undoing, but we'll let that happen unfold when it happens. Um, but just so cool, like that we were ended up there for probably like three hours. Yeah. Um, and first of all, it's like the steak was so good, you didn't even have to chew it. No, it was yeah, it was so good. I had like a forty-five day age piece of like bone-in ribeye, and like it becomes a different kind of meat like after that amount of like dry aging because it was just like. It was so funky and just different tasting. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, man. And the bread, dude. They got fucking bread. Oh, that like Hawaiian sweet kind of buttery roll. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you know what Hawaiian rolls are, think about if like a fancy ass steakhouse made fresh made Hawaiian rolls. Deluxe. Deluxe. Right? And put them on your table in the fucking like, you didn't even need to put butter on them. They didn't even give you butter. That's how fucking buttery they were. did not need it. Yeah. So I just filled up on the free stuff but 
Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, Jason is such a fucking cool dude. He knows so much shit. It's insane. I kind of had a realization that Jason started out his career in the hobby as a content creator like us on Twitch. And then he chose to go toward more of a, a business angle. Or I don't know if he chose to do that, but for better or for worse, that's kind of how I perceive mm-hmm. Jason on the, the larger internet. Like he is more of a business than he is a content creator at this point, which is not like an issue or anything like that. And like someone else that we know and are friends with is like Luke, Luke APS. Like mm-hmm. I would say maybe he still kind of maintains some of that content creator feel. Maybe I'm saying that because I'm a YouTuber and I like I, I see his content more than I see Jason's content on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also has kind of more of a business angle. And it's so interesting to think about like how you can just take that different approach to like how you run your business online to kind of be more of a product focused thing. Because, man, he, he is just taking it. He's taking it so far. He's so knowledgeable. He's really kind of he's really putting in the work to make sure that he's you know, creating like quality stuff, like with the way he talks about it and the way he's impassioned about it. It's just like it was intoxicating. It was like when I talked to him, I was like, I don't know what we're going to do together, but I want to work with you. I don't know what it's going to be. And so I totally understand how you like wanted to make that paint set with him because he's just a, he's so, it's so great to collaborate with. Yeah. It's incredible. He's um, he's one of those people that you just know that when you work with them, that he has everybody's best interest in mind. Yeah, he's going to take care of you 100%. Yeah. So if, if Jason ever approaches you, like, trust him. Yeah. And when I say everybody, I all like it's most important. It's equally valuable that the person that is going to be taken care of is going to be the customer. Like he's not going to do something that is going to going to lead to a bad experience, something that he doesn't stand behind. And so it feels really good. Um, he also just has like he has probably thirty plus, yeah, at least thirty years of his own experiences in the hobby. So he has all this background of understanding this as it was that hobby for him for such a long time and working and owning other businesses and like kind of a a collaboration of all his life experience and what he's learned and like kind of all funneling it into something that kind of encompasses it all, which is really, really freaking cool. So, um, yeah, that was, that was great. And, uh, I always have a good time with him and Jen and Jen's funny too. She got, she got my, uh, my Laverne and Shirley joke. So she's on, my, she's on my good list, but, um, really, really great people. We get back and, uh, we decided, you know, we're going to just kind of hang out. We're trying to figure out where people were. Yeah. You know, cause finally, finally, now we, it's time to do the thing we love doing at cons. Yeah. It's time just to chatting bro- with people, just break free. And, uh, one of the bars at the, uh, at the casino, a bunch of people were there and we got to hang out with, with Seth, uh, we got to hang out with Nightcat. Now, if you don't know who Nightcat is, let me explain this to you. Um, this is a John term? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this entire time um, when we were at the convention, um, Seth has his right-hand woman. Also, I believe she works for Game Castle. Her name is Cat, and they work together. And she is the organized get-shit-done person. When there was anything we needed, she was there. When there was anything that we didn't know we needed, but it was really nice and we didn't think about it, she was already there with it. She would be, you give her 10 minutes, I don't know. She could have come with like a gaggle of clowns. She came with Lambo. Like I could have asked her anything and she got it. Yeah. It was incredible. She was, and she's just 
quiet. She's reserved. She's very smart. I could just tell like her brain was working way faster than mine at any given time. I don't know if you got this vibe from her, but did she just seem like she just didn't like you? Because I felt like I was just being, I was like being a terrible person to her and then she like rightfully hated me. No, I don't think so. Man, I felt like, I felt like I was being an asshole to her at some point, either like earlier in my life or like there and she was just kind of like dealing with me and my bullshit she just seems like a very quiet person okay, okay. until the night cat comes out Until the night cat comes out yeah so when we the met up full with moon them, comes out yeah <laughs> when we met up with them there's a bunch of other different painting teachers and different students and just all sorts of cool people just hanging around and she had been uh partaking in some spirited libations and she was a different fucking person like <laughs> All of the introvert was just like left back in the hotel room and she was talking shit and she was laughing and she was making jokes. And I was like, who the hell are you? And then we got into talking about like all the things that she was probably going around in her head for the last two days. And I like made her say them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so good. It was so good. And I realized like, no, she's just a genuinely like caring, hardworking person that wants things to work well. And Mm -hmm. she has a skill set that I very much appreciate. Um, but we ended up like uh, aligning between her, Seth, and myself a, a magic showdown at Adepticon, a commander magic showdown where I needed to pick my partner that's going to go against those two. And they were talking mad shit. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And I was like, I. And I just like pulled out of my pocket. I'm like, I pulled my Vincey V card. And like Vincey V. I hadn't talked to Vince about this. I didn't talk to him until like two days later. I'm like, Vince, I have a job for you. And he's like, I explained it to him. And he's like, I'm in. Yes. So we've already started strategizing. They had they stand no chance. They stand no chance. Yeah. Didn't they like did, like divulge their entire secret? Oh yeah. Plan? This was the this was the fucking first mistake. They fucking told me what their whole deck was and their deck plans. You guys gotta swap it out. Change yeah. it up. Yeah, you better hurry up. You better hurry up. You're gonna walk into a up. trap. Dude, I'm gonna fucking play my trap card. <laughs> Is it gonna be it? It's gonna be over. We kind of split up at this point in the night. We're talking to different people. Yeah. Um. And so, like, while you were chatting there, I was chatting with Tesh, my Blizzard developer man. Oh, okay. okay. He, t- he told me about a YouTube channel he loves called Billion Dollar Clown Farm, which is a hobby channel with like uh, some of the greatest hits, like uh, taste testing every single one of Duncan Rhodes' paints from his new paint range, and he's literally putting the whole fucking bottles in his mouth and like tasting them. Oh, not the paint itself, just the bottles. <laughs> no, just the bottles i was just like what the fuck it's said and like i think he had one video from lvo called like the most important content and it was him reviewing all the restaurants at the rio and i was just like i love this off the wall shit uh, so that was hilarious but i uh, i also got to give him some shit about diablo 3 that i think is a trash game uh, but also warcraft 3 reforged which uh if you're a fan of that game um which is a really old game but it recently got like a kind of like a, a reskin uh, kind of new models all kinds of stuff and it was handled very poorly um and when i brought it up to tesh he uh he just he just he just shriveled up and, and died inside because he loved that ip so much and it didn't, it didn't get the treatment it deserved but i got to chat with him for a long time and that was a lot of fun talking about video games and getting his recommendations stuff like that um and then uh, at some point ridge from uh season of war came over with a with a lottery ticket and he was he like he like <laughs> won a lottery ticket is his payout or, sorry his payout yeah so he had won 
some two hundred or four hundred dollars. He was at four hundred bucks. Four hundred bucks. And he was like, he was like, do I put it on black, Scott? Do I do it? And he was like, and he was like hugging me every four fucking seconds. Yes. yes. And I was like, you you already defied the odds and won money. Just walk away with the money. And I said so. I said, I said no, don't bet it. And John was like, bet it. And then he started hugging John, and yeah. he started hugging me. And he was like so drunk. And like, was, but I'd get eight hundred dollars. Yeah. And I was like, I just painted a picture for him. Yeah. I was like, listen, you only live once. Think of the story. Oh my god. Think of what you can do with eight hundred dollars, whatever. And listen, because I'd been hanging out with Val a good amount at this point, and I was like, he rubbed off on me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I love to be that. Got to be an enabler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that bad devil on your shoulder. Oh yeah. Right. And I think by the end of the night, he was still going around and saying the same thing with the same. Ticket. Yeah, dude. He was just telling everybody about it. He was doing it for like two straight hours. Yeah, yeah. And then and then we find out that Steve Garcia. His nickname is Tequila Steve. Tequila Steve has a reputation. Uh, he's got a reputation of buying everybody shots of tequila again. Yeah, and being able just to and drink again. shots of tequila endlessly and having them, quote, not affect him. Yeah. That's his opinion. Uh, sure. I think if it, just like, if it affects everybody else more, it seems like it's not affecting him. Yeah. Because... Yeah, he texted in the in the the group Discord uh, like the next day. He's like, "What? The rest of you guys didn't get up and go to the gym first thing in the morning?" Yeah, yeah. So he's like seven a.m. and he's like working out and yeah. shit or whatever. Eight a.m. Yeah, I was like, "Nah, Steve, I'm still drunk." <laughs> <laughs> um, so <clears throat> they went from that to randomly running into Juan Carlos, who is a student in our class. Mm -hmm. And first of all, the fucking nicest dude. So he yeah, dude. Um, was the guys that in the in the 11th hour, he was telling me that like when our kind of seats, things got a little bit screwed up. And in the 11th hour, we had openings for the class and him and he brought his buddy along yeah, yeah. that it was like we're gonna we like do it dude we're gonna do it we're gonna fucking yeah. weekend road trip to he vegas roped, he roped him in yeah. roped him in <laughs> we're gonna do this and he just kind of stopped over at the at the bar and just be like hey guys just want to thank you like and take up your time he's super fucking polite he's like but it just was such a fucking awesome weekend thanks so much and where he was like he was down like a grand him and his buddy were both down like a grand oh, at the, from the from the tables i don't even know what they were playing and I should have just said thank you and let him go, but I did not. No. And I went on to continue to drink tequila with Juan Carlos, and he introduced me to the drink Paloma. Mm-hmm. 70% tequila, uh, what pal he said. Yeah, Paloma is tequila and grapefruit juice. Um, and somehow Juan Carlos knew the bartender. He did. He ordered a water for me because I had cotton mouth for like four hours and I was too much of an awkward idiot to like go and ask for a free water from the bar. Cause I was kind of like, I don't want to waste these guys time. They work on tips. So I was just sitting there with a fucking dry ass mouth and he got ordered water for me. And I was like, I was super appreciative of that. Thank you, Juan Carlos. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Um, yeah, and that that Paloma was kind of like the when the wheelbarrow's full and you put one more brick in it, and then the wheelbarrow tips over and all the bricks fall out. Yeah, and it, and it breaks. And yeah, it's no longer usable. And then I had the idea right around this time that I was going to get a tattoo because there was a yeah. tattoo parlor in the Rio, and there was some guy who was like challenging you in some way. I don't know. First of all, hold on. One thing about Tequila Steve, he bought tequila shots for everybody. 
but I was already under the influence at that point from a different substance. I didn't want to then also get drunk. And so I was like, I'm, I don't want to drink the shot. Is that okay? It was not okay. It was not okay. No one denies Tequila Steve a shot. And I, apparently, I, I mean, I did because I didn't want to drink it. Uh, thankfully, someone else drank it. And then you drink another shot with him as like as as payment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bought one. See, that was the problem too is that I bought one for me and Tequila Steve. And then I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they just keep coming. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, like, so I guarantee Adepticon, if you catch me earlier, I will drink a shot of tequila, if, if not a couple. I, I promise. Oh, Lordy. I promise. I'm not holding your hair back. All right, back to the tattoo fucking situation. Who this fucking guy so, was, okay, I don't know. I met these guys earlier. They were part, they, they came from, a, there was a local game store they came from. They were there at the event. I was chatting with them. They were super nice. And the guy you spoke to was his friend who wasn't, as uh, much of a painter. The guy I was talking to was a commission painter. Mm. His buddy was more of a gamer. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking to you, and he's talking about getting a palette or a tattoo on your thumb that yeah. said the word palette. At first, it was get the word palette, and then it evolved into, I was going to get, you know, like Bob Ross palette that they hold? Yeah, 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 with the thumb. Yeah, yeah that it was is going to be just that on my hand of palette. one of those, a yeah. hard palette, right? Which I still stand behind. It's a fucking great idea. And yeah, Con, John, Con John, if nothing else, comes out with one or two bangers. Right. right. And then this guy was, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but assertive <laughs> in like chal- so challenging me to get it. And I was like, I'm oh, fine. Then you fucking get it. And he's like, well, I don't even paint. I'm like, then don't be a bitch. Yeah. Shut your goddamn mouth. He's like, well, I'll get it. And I'm like, well, you're going to fucking get it on your hand. And he's like, well, no, I work in, you know, I work. Uh, you know a professional job and i'm like dude it's 2023 man you could get it on your your fucking neck and no one's gonna give a shit these days and if they do we're in a goddamn uh employees market right now you hold all the power and he was just yeah he was explaining this while omega drunk right yeah, you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah all that was coming to you <laughs> yeah this is all i'm like dude i've been working more longer in corporate america longer than you've been alive so you need to just <laughs> buck up buddy let's fucking go yeah. And it, it, it kind of comes, the pinnacle is we're fucking walking there. Yeah, yeah. They approached me and they were like, Scott, should this happen? And I was like, no, it shouldn't. Like, it's a good idea for a tattoo. It'll be a good idea tomorrow when, like, you could actually make a, a choice for yourself. So just wait until tomorrow. But they were like, okay, we'll walk there. I knew for a fact it wasn't open. Yeah. And I also knew Casey mentioned to me that. Uh, tattoo artists are not allowed yeah. to someone who's drunk. No, yeah, because so your blood's thinned. Yeah, and so I knew that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But so I, 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 we humored the the trek over to the tattoo parlor in the Rio, and then it was closed, thankfully. And luckily, that's nearby where our hotel rooms elevators yeah. were. Yeah, and then every, at, so at that point, everyone was like freaking out about how drunk you were, and they were like, "It's time, you, you, take him away, Scott, take him away." And so we kind of just we, we left that point and then went to sleep. And it was like it was like four a.m. It was like oh, 4 was it that late? It was four a.m. Yeah, it was definitely after four. I do not remember what time it was, but yeah. I do remember when we got up <laughs> the next morning. You, there's another detail you don't remember. I do not remember. remember. Walking to the elevators, you you grabbed my hand and you're like, you're like, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> Do you not remember this? I do not remember that. You just needed a guiding hand. You were just a little, you were like, I don't know where we're going. And I was like, I'll take you. We'll go there. <laughs> and so you and me and Juan Carlos go up to our floor, I think the 10th floor, 6th floor, 6th floor. And then uh, we uh, we go to our room. Uh, I wasn't holding a hand at this point. It was just to the elevator. Mm. And then we, uh, we go to sleep. But the fun does not end there. Oh, no. Okay. So we go to sleep, 4 a.m. I'm hearing all this for the first time. Yeah, it's great. Okay. At like 5... 
I uh, I wake up and I feel wet. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And I hear John shuffling around in the room. And it's, oh, no. It's dark. It's dark at this point. <laughs> I'm like, why am I wet? And so I turned the lamp on, and we we had been foraging for bottles of water because yes, there was like no weekend. Wa- yeah, because there was no water in the room. And so one of the one of the bottles of water was completely emptied into my bed, tipped over on top of my comforter. And I'm like, what the fuck? And you are standing at the end of my bed like a goddamn gremlin, like groping around on my bed. And the first thing you say is, oh, this isn't my bed? And I was like, no, it isn't. Get the fuck out. And so, like, you went over to your bed. If I was an asshole, I should have been like, you're sleeping here now. Like, I want your bed. Um, But I didn't. I went and fucking changed my underwear because they were soaked. You you were all soaked? Yeah, I was wet. What did I do? I was like watering plants in there? Yeah, you just. I don't know. I think I think maybe you dropped it in the bed and it's in a tip. Oh, you yeah. weren't like like deliberately pouring it on me. Oh, like I went to get water. I probably was yes. like, I'm so dehydrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just go to my bed and hit the edge and exactly drop the water. Exactly. Yeah, because it was like it was by my like my waist area. Um, so I think you maybe were like on the side of it, like kind of working your way around the perimeter or something. I'll fucking know. <laughs> oh no. And so yeah. So I went. Got changed, changed underwear, went back to bed. I went on the the right side of the bed that wasn't soaked by water, and then went to sleep and woke up. And then we woke up and discovered that your bed was also a little wet, but it was missing a key detail, an empty water bottle. <laughs> so how the fuck did I get there, John? <laughs> I woke up sweaty as fuck, just like at a depth Oh, yeah, the sweat, right. Yeah. Dude, I smelled everything. I took off my- It doesn't fuck. matter. I smelled everything. It did smell like pee. <laughs> I don't think I peed. All right. I mean, it's possible. I, I, mean, I mean, the I, rest of the story is bad enough that I almost don't care if it doesn't include that. But it's probably better if, if it was P. That means <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was no, but the other thing was though, just like at Adepticon, and I wake up the next day and I'm like I'm sweaty all over. Yeah, like my forehead sweaty, my hair is wet with sweat, my fucking shirt is soaked. Yeah, so I think it's like this crank this thing too far, too many tequila steves in my system. <laughs> too many, and it just the whole body is like, and it just releases the floodgates. Yeah, yeah, and from, maybe from little every, pee from every orifice, from every orifice. So then I went back down because I'm like I got all this footage I still need to take. I need to go, yeah. I need to go shopping or so whatever. We woke up at like eight because like yeah. we wanted to go to the the vendor hall. We haven't yeah. been to the vendor hall really yet at all. Yeah, and oh, I had to go check on like pick up my model, my competition model yeah, that I entered. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that, and I was like, oh, I had to do all these things, and I had my camera out, and I just took walks, and I was like, I'm still fucking drunk. Like, yeah. I was like, I, why do I not feel like death, but I just feel like I'm walking in goddamn quicksand? I was like, oh, it's because I'm so drunk. Um, so I went through that whole experience, which was was cool, and but it was also it was like under the clock of like all these things I still wanted to do. Yeah, that yeah. I just did not have time to do, and in, in you know talking to everybody and everything. Um, I had an eleven a.m. flight right on Sunday, and so we were kind of out of there like pretty early. Yeah, and I was when I was there was a number of people at the um, vendor hall area that I wanted to talk more with. I wanted to talk more with uh, the Warlord Games guy. Um, one of the the reps there oh. I had a really good conversation with him on Saturday, like over lunchtime. I did not know that he was there. Yeah, or I got his card too. 
Um, but, uh, over on Saturday, over the lunch hour, when I dropped off my competition mini, I just took a quick loop in there and I talked to Byron from artist Opus. I wanted to talk to him again. I wanted to talk to warlord games guy again. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. And then also my good buddies from Norse foundry were there and they had a booth and they're the, the company that produced my dice trays. Yes. And super, super nice guys. They have a lot of really cool stuff um, and different dice that they, that they manufacture in trays and holders and all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff. Um, I wanted to go talk to Jason some more. Um, there was just a number of them. Oh, the... Um, oh, shoot. What's the... the company where all their models didn't make it there mind work mind work so i talked to mateo for a little bit but i really wish that we would have had a longer conversation um because when am i ever gonna see mateo again i had no, no idea wow i had no idea that he would go to lvo yeah of all that things was, that was uh, a strange place to see him so i saw him there and also i found a minnesota company that was uh showing off a, a skirmish war game and i was like this is kind of cool sweet i didn't uh, i didn't know that was gonna happen um, and then I saw I met some friends from the Forge, which is a store in uh, Chaska. He was wearing his, uh, his Vanguard shirt, Vanguard Tactics, I believe. Mm. Um, so I had a chat with him. But yeah, I wish I had more time in the vendor hall just to talk with people too. Yeah, I really wanted to talk with Mateo because I I love the stuff that that company makes. Yeah, dude. So I'm just like oh, I want to find a way to work with you or or just fucking i actually just wanted to buy some models because their whole shipment of all their miniatures got fucking lost in the mail which sucks because honestly the one thing that sucks about mind games i'll be i'll be honest about this is that their shipping is terrible like they take forever to get you shit so if you can get it at a con when it's just there right away yeah. that's super nice but in this yeah. case unfortunately we couldn't it wasn't their fault but they were also offering because their shit wasn't there they were offering like the discounted con prices and free shipping that's super for you nice. to place orders there you, you didn't do that though but i didn't have fucking time so i didn't make yeah. it back to their booth so i was i was pissed my only like kind of my consolation was well well if they came to this, maybe they're making a more concerted effort to go to more events, which means they would probably come to Adepticon. I got to imagine you would not like if those were two options, relatively similar time frames in America, like you'd choose LVO over Adepticon unless they had some conflicting plans or something and they could only do one. But they have been going to several cons lately. I've seen on their Instagram that they've been to several different shows that I've never even heard of. Yeah. I'm kind of more like tangential to miniature painting. Um, so maybe they're just going to a lot of stuff. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, with that, we made our way to the fucking airport. We Scotty Boo checked his bags. We made our way through, and we got on the plane. And they were, everyone was watching the football game, so the end of the 49ers Eagles game. That was interesting because, like, at one moment when an ad played, everyone's like, all the screens turned yellow, and the airplane just turned yellow yeah. at the same time because everyone was watching the same thing. That was funny. Yeah, and I fell asleep. So I started a movie that everything, anywhere, everywhere, all at once. Everything, movie. everywhere, all at once. Yeah. And I, I fell asleep 15 minutes into it and I woke up and I had been asleep for like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And I felt so much better. Yeah. They get that nappy nap in and then I got to watch the rest of the, the second football game because I'm like, I'm not fucking paying attention to this movie. I missed the middle, middle, middle of it. Yeah. So I didn't, I decided that and we fucking landed at home. Yeah, I fell asleep during the, not not during, but I was asleep for the takeoff. I was so fucking zonked. Yeah. I like because we had a long. It's not a taxi. What's like the thing that happens before you take off? Is it a taxi? 
Yeah, we were waiting on the runway. Yeah, we were forever. Yeah. I don't know, like 45 minutes, something like that. Yeah. So I fell asleep, and then I, when I woke up, we were flying, and I was like, man, okay. Let's Never do done it. that before. You no. feel like it's enough of a jarring thing. <laughs> yeah, you'd... yeah, you'd wake up. No, I didn't. It happens when someone throws a water bottle in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> is this yeah. my bed? <laughs> it was not. Uh, but yeah, then we got back, and it was all done. And then I had fucking COVID. That's the added cost of a <laughs> Of a con that you don't expect is that I fucking had COVID then and I couldn't go right. and work in an office then. I feel like this is another data point that I'm my I'm a superhero. I'm a mutant. Yeah. But my only superpower is I don't get COVID. Only when you drink a lot. I think because I've never had COVID and I've had my wife has had it twice. My daughter's had it twice. You've had it, and there are reasons why. You, if I had it, you should fucking have it because we make out all the time. Yeah, no, dude, the fucking hand oh, hand holding, <laughs> the hand holding is dead giveaway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you got it like right after, meaning like right at the like the first day. So like you were fucking had it, and then I was like we were together <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I never got it. Felt like a goddamn hero after I got all that tequila out of my system. <laughs> went home, went on the treadmill, and get sweat the rest of it out steve-o <laughs> um and i just to like stay on brand um before we move on to the new segment i gotta take a piss and i'm gonna come back with an american flag <laughs> all right i'm back from my pee and real quick before we jump on a newsy news i forgot to just talk real quickly about my miniature that i entered for competition which was the same one i did for entered for golden demon and adepticon last year um, because I, like, I felt like, oh, we're going all the way out there. They have a painting competition. I should bring something. I haven't really painted anything new to a display level later. So I was like, oh, I'll just get more feedback and more stuff uh, on my uh, my dark Eldar grotesque. And when I was packing it up, I uh, was like looking at it again as I hadn't sat and analyzed it in, you know, probably six to nine months. And I saw a lot of things that I would do differently mm-hmm. and a lot of areas for improvement and which I think is a good feeling. I, I mean, I took it as a good feeling. And I was like, oh, I feel like I would do this differently or I could do this better if I did it over again and stuff. And then our first night there, um, we were hanging out with Andy Wardle and uh, Willie Hanna. Yeah, they came back to our room. That was, a, that was a fun evening. Yeah, and we just talked miniature painting and shit. And Will, um, who is phenomenal miniature painter um yeah took a, took a really close look at my model i hadn't turned it in yet mm-hmm. and um any i asked him for feedback and and i asked him for like you know where am i where am i lacking here and the couple of main things that he said he said talked about two things and those were the two things that when i looked at it before i'm like this isn't right this isn't good enough this just needs more things done to it and um and so I felt really good. I ended up getting a silver in the master's category. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that. I felt pretty good about that. Um, Congratulations. And thank you. And I think that it makes me excited to push to hopefully get my diorama done for Golden Demon and, and give her a go again. Because I think this one will be, this piece will be better than last year's piece if I can finish it. So, mm. um, That's so. good. That's good improvement. Yeah. Okay, well, on to the newsy news. On to the news. Let's do it. A uh, hobby community organizes to raise funds for Kathy Wapple. So Kathy Wapple, I believe, is undergoing treatment still for cancer. Yep. Um, and there is a charity opportunity for her if you'd like to support her um, in that endeavor. And you should because the Wapples are awesome people and they're, they're big characters and contributors to our, our community and our hobby. 
Yeah. And so a lot of amazing miniature artists are kind of coming together to auction off pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, you can also just straight up just like donate a couple of bucks to help if, um, but the goal is to, you know, help pay for, for Kathy's ongoing expenses. Um, and it's really is a testament to our miniature painting community that, um, rising up to help somebody in need is someone that's so, um, so selfless for, for this hobby, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy and James are. So, um, so yeah, we want to put the, put the word out to that, to, to have you kind of just maybe just go click the linky link below and, and, uh, just take a look at it at the very least. Yeah. And we'll have that link down in the show notes or the description based on where you are listening. Yes. Next one. Uh, this just came across, uh, my e- my, uh, email the other day, yesterday, I think actually that, uh, GW sent out official notification that they're raising the prices starting the 6th of March. We'll be increasing the uh prices of the following things plastic miniatures <laughs> <laughs> forge world and citadel resin miniatures <laughs> the books <laughs> standard and artificer citadel brushes as well as spray paints all right so so what's not included are starter sets paint sets Paint pots, citadel tools, codexes, rule books, and battle tomes. Okay. So minis. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a big one. So 6% increase. <laughs> Plastic models. <laughs> <laughs> but not the ones in starter sets. Yeah, they want to keep, I mean, so it's like, this is like by proxy, they're more, you get more value out of them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah uh, that's, I mean, it is what it is. I yeah. Don't, I don't know the reasoning behind it nor can i speculate i'm not i i i, I have no discourse uh for this because there's just so many things that could be happening right they could be just wanting more money they could have had a project that flopped and have like a loan out for a huge thing that they didn't make money uh, or recoup costs on like they could there could be so many there could be so many fucking reasons why why this is happening, but you I mean like as a consumer, you don't have to care about any of those things, honestly, and you can vote with your dollars whether or not you want to support that that uh, that practice or yeah. not. Yeah, end of the day, a already fairly, if not very expensive hobby is getting more expensive. Yeah. So yeah, um, and six percent isn't nothing. Like, no, I mean like especially if it's if you're considering all the price hikes over the last like decade, right? Like it's just like it keeps going up and up and up. But you could say that also the the models keep getting better in quality, but also right. the models are already getting more expensive. Like just the, the cost of the minis is just going up in general because of the tooling that's being improved and whatnot. Yep. Yep. Um, Elder Scrolls has a little preview for some vampire boxes. I checked them out. They're kind of bad. Uh, and like, I don't know about the, the, the aesthetic or the design of them, but like the casting quality is pretty meh. But if you do play that board game, I, I am assuming it's a board game. There are some, Things now called Dongard Vampire Hunters and Vampire Fledglings available to pick up. Let me look at these Vampire Fledglings. I yeah. gotta imagine they taste like look like buttholes. Yeah, you, taste like buttholes. You, you check it out. Give them a taste. I'll go on to the next one. Weird is looking for volunteers. Help them staff some upcoming conventions. If you're a fan of Weird, if you're a weirdo, uh, <laughs> <laughs> check out. Uh, and they need some help for Adepticon, Gen Con, Nova, and Pax Unplugged. Uh, there's a link down below if you are wanting to contact them to potentially help out. That's really cool. It'd be really nice. It's like if you're really uh, like you know a champion for a game, and yeah, dude. 
and you're like, we're going to go to the convention anyways. You're like, oh, I can sign up and do like a four-hour slot on one day. And uh, yeah, like, I, I would totally do that like for a company that I was passionate about. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. At first, I was like, oh, yeah, they're just not hiring people. I was like, no, they're just trying to find people that already love their stuff. It would be great. So yeah, I'm all for that. At LVO, GW announces a bunch of new stuff. Shocker, more Space Marines. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. Oh, yeah, Strike Force Augustus. Which is more Space Marines, and there's the fucking <laughs> dude. Okay, so there's a dreadnought, and they claim that this is like is a big deal. This is a new dreadnought. Yeah. And I was talking to my uh, my buddies at the local 40k club, um, and uh, I usually stop. I if I can, I stop in on Thursdays. Thursdays is Warhammer night, and so people just come out and they hobby, or they play games, or they're working on stuff for their um their whatever league, and um. They got talking about this box, and apparently, the only thing that makes this dreadnought different from the regular dreadnought is it has an additional like armor flap on its calves, and then it's got a little thing like coming off of his like stomach area. And I can't remember if it's a gun or another armor flap. It's like literally two bits or something. And, and they just redo the whole kit. But they're like making a big deal out of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because it's a whole separate kit. Now, oh shit! Okay, yeah. so the hope is that uh, the hope is that all future ones will have all the sprues to be able to make either, or this is an extra sprue you can just buy. But you know, GW don't do that; <laughs> they don't just like give you that bonus sprue. You know, no way, no how. Um, well, they have they have they they showed off these new Marathis stuff from Underworlds, these new Snake Ladies. And they don't do it for me at all. They seem just like all other snake ladies. I mean, not snake ladies, but like the, what are those called? Uh, Daughters of Cain. Daughter, Docs. Daughters of Cain. They just look the same. New Seraphon look pretty fucking cool. Like in terms of the updated new sculpts, like high quality, because a lot of their shit is really old sculpts, like their lizard men dudes, the Saurus Warriors. Uh, and even like now they've gotten some more skink models coming through, but like. Them coming out with a new kits of of Seraphon, I think is cool, and they look pretty badass. Okay, hold on. Can we back it up to these uh, these dark elves? Yeah. Why they look like midgets? Like, look at this one in the front, the front left. Is that one four foot tall? She little. She little. <laughs> They're all kind of little. I don't know what's wrong with them. I also am not feeling them. Maybe if I saw the actual model, maybe these photos are kind of doing them a little dirty. Because, yeah. I mean, in all respects, it's kind of just more of the same thing with a yes. bit of extra juj on it, right? Yes. So I should like it, but for some reason I don't very much. It, it didn't do anything new or interesting, even from a pose standpoint. Um, yeah. Like none of the poses are really like, oh, like usually with uh, Underworld's team, the, at the very least, you find like, oh, that one's got a really cool pose. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's always like one that's kind of like sick, like the... The skeleton ones, the the Velman or Velborn, like the leader guy, he's like awesome. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about here, real quickly, in the uh, announcements from LVO, is the new War Cry box, Blood Hunt. Mostly because you and I haven't had a a, a big talk about this. Oh yeah, fucking vampire monks. We should talk about it. Yes. Oh, that was a big toot. Versus these corn dudes, which are like. I really like those corn dudes too. They're kind of more of the same kind of corn dudes though, aren't um, they? They're kind of like, to me, they're like this really nice combination of like a traditional corn look and like a more savage, barbarian, traditional war cry kind of models, like the original ones, like mm. those, 
the ones that look like Conan kind of guys. They're yeah, like a, they're, yeah, they're yeah, marriage yeah. there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, which I I, I kind of dig. And that leader dude, I think, is a pretty cool model from a painting perspective. Mm-hmm. They also have the dude that's like running like he's a dog on all fours. Oh, I forget. That's an actual dude. It's not a dog. I yeah. thought it was a dog. Oh my it's god. A, yeah, it's a dude. Uh, which it's one of those like I think I need to hold that model in my hand to really decide if I think it's cool or dumb as shit. <laughs> <laughs> I it it can't be that the the proportions are correct because when you look at that model, his arm looks as long as his legs, which is one of the reasons why you think that's not a dude, <laughs> some kind of a, a dog or a monster. Yeah, and also he's got his little baby toe poking out the back of his ass, and it looks like a tail. <laughs> yes, it's like. Boop. That's just the angle of the photo. Yeah. But then the vampire monks. Vampire monks. All right, give me uh give me a Dave Portnoy uh rating out of 10 right here. You know, you know the rules. One bite. One bite everyone knows the rules. Okay, this I'm looks- saying 5-3. 5-3. Okay. So they auto they auto get points for, you know, they got a, a nice firm undercarriage. You know, you always want that <laughs> on the piece. Um I don't want the flop, right? So great undercarriage. Yeah. So they have uh an eastern aesthetic yeah. And they're vampires. So they're already... So on paper, this should be like your favorite thing. This, this should be my favorite thing of all time. I think the execution fell short noticeably. Yeah. I still like them because they're a thing that I would like. But I like the idea of them much more than I like the actual them. Sure. Yeah. The one that I think is my favorite is the one with the two-handed sword that he's holding straight up. Yes, yes, that's yes, the best. Yes, that's the best yeah, one. That, that yeah. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that other you one. You are right. And you want to know why I think it's the best one? A lot of these guys have gigantic armor panels and gigantic lower sections, and then really tiny heads, really tiny thin arms, and then gigantic weapons. They seem so comical in nature, but that guy has a nice narrow torso. A nice yeah. like his his shoulders aren't super big. He has a nice imposing weapon that kind of assists like the pose of the body as well. So I think that one is the best one, a hundred percent. But like otherwise, they kind of look a little goofy. Yeah, the giant two-handed weapons are kind of silly. It's the dealing with the two like sickles with a with a rope between them is just kind of a hard thing. I feel to pull off at scale, at especially. Scale. Yeah, that yeah. rope is so fucking thick and a chunk. Also, every single one of these guys has hair that's sticking straight up. Yeah, there's a wind, dude. There, it's very windy there. It's very. It's, there's an updraft. Yeah. Like I, even I, the ponytails are kind of like, you know? Yeah. I think the other dude, the dude with the bat on his shoulder, that dude, I think that one might be pretty fucking cool, but I'd have to take a closer look at him because there's a lot of things going on there that I like. Um, So this is the one where he's got a sword to his side. He's got a bat on his yeah. shoulder. He's got a kind of a cool hood. I think the only thing that is not as cool to me is, again, the fucking ropes Look like they're the kind of cli- looks like they're the same width as the climbing ropes, and you're a kid in school and you had to climb the rope, and the <laughs> rope is fucking that big around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why are the ropes so goddamn big, bros? Ain't you some smaller ropes? It's not holding up your pants that much better. I gotta believe. Yeah, rope. It's all about rope girth. That's what we've taken away. Uh, I give them a six three. Six three. All right, we got five three and six three. Yeah. So just because something's a vampire doesn't mean we're gonna like it all the time. Oh, it's got to be also a quality model. And some of yeah. these are just a little kludgy. A little kludgy. But what if they're like really good 
and uh, Age of Sigmar for Soul Grave Lords. What if the rules are good? What I've learned about myself is that if I can devise a lore reason to include something in my army, it just makes me so much more willing to include it. Because I didn't give a shit about Vangorian vampire lords at all. I thought the models were dumb. Um, but now I have this, what I think is a really cool reason to include the female one as a Vangorian lord in my army. And so now I'm super jazzed about painting the one that I have. Oh. So if I could think of some reason that this fits into my story, maybe I'd love them then. I have no idea why that works for me, but it does. Oh, okay. I've seen some sick ass kit bashes of that model. Like what, that look like, way better than the regular one. Well, it sounds oh, like okay. Why is the bottom half a fucking awesome ass like undead dragon thing, and the top half is just like a big lady, just a fucking normal ass person? Yeah, but they're just large scale. They're like a fifty four millimeter version. I don't fucking know. Yeah, so I've seen them both where they've taken the top half and turned it into a full fucking vampire, and I've seen them where they've taken the bottom half and they've used other shit to make it like it is more of like a vampire monster. Oh, yeah. That one I really fucking like. Okay, yeah, that's um, pretty sick. So, yeah, I have one of those kits, too, and I'm just kind of, like, holding on at me. I'm like, yeah, what do I, I do with do this? something with this, but but anyway. Okay, so moral of the story is, yes, if they're good, you can find a lower reason. And Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, any other news that jumps out at you, sir? Yeah. Um, it's always so interesting to me when someone thinks, thinks a model is like like screams maniac and like i would like it and so i want to mention this one here there there's a new dark souls rpg that came out um and there's a, a pack of models called the silver and the dead and according to our writer this uh these models scream me all right and uh find out uh i mean what do you think john is this scream maniac these models i mean these scream shitty models <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> they're just bad um especially the guys with the fucking shields and the skinny ass legs and their dumb ass poses yeah. <laughs> yeah they look so stupid uh the other guys are, are fine but um but yeah um not a bit of me uh too much but if you're into the dark Souls rpg um check it out and i love this thing that he has here uh james has a thing called the kickstarter corner okay there are, there are so many kickstarter campaigns that come out right we can't look at all of them and so we could do one that's like handpicked by uh, James here, and it's yeah. this. Uh, it's called the Ghost Maxton Black Brush Set. This is a synthetic brush uh, made from nylon, um, and it comes with a sick ghost cup if you want it. And oh, that is kind of a sick ghost cup. And you probably do. But apparently, there's been a couple of these campaigns. Four previous Ghost Brush campaigns. Bruh. Jesus Christ! So many ghostesses they've got to collect for these. But yeah, I think I think I'm in it for the cup. You know, I'm I'm in it for the f made out of real ghost hair. <laughs> I mean, what do you like? Just looking at these brushes, like do a little zoomy zoom. A little zoomy zoom. I mean, it, there are some there are some shots where the tips very clearly do not come together at a nice point because you know they're a nylon synthetic brush and that's not kind of their strong suit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all I got to say is, I mean, they're probably. Uh, let me check the price. Let me check the price. Back this project. So here it says it right here: thirty USD for six bucks, or forty USD for the brush set and a skull cup. Okay, so the the skull cup's ten buckarinos on its own, which that seems like it's cheaper than it could be. But thirty bucks for six brushes. It all depends on the performance. Like in, in the description of the Kickstarter, it says, like. Are you looking for high quality brushes for miniature painting? Look no further. Like that's a huge fucking claim. Like when there are brushes on the market that are very good, you know, I have no idea how these work. I never want to assume something without using it. But right. in my experience, 
Synthetic brushes are never bringing the heat, really ever. But you know, it is what it is, and if it works for you, it works for you. Yeah, yeah. So forty bucks for premium. They described as premium black nylon detail brush set and the awesome new cup. Um, you can also for th- like forty bucks, you can get the skull cup filled with assorted RPG dice. Sick. <laughs> so you, if you like the cup, there there are other options here as well. So I want someone to discover a synthetic brush that's like kick ass and like look we've, we've we've solved the problem of not needing to deal with import laws for sable hair like we, we've, we've figured it out like i would love for that to happen but it hasn't happened yet but yeah. i'm waiting that's yeah. the next innovation in brush tech if you can emulate natural hair perfectly with with synthetics you have made a legit product that's going to sell like fucking gangbusters yeah i mean i gotta think if it was easy enough it would have been done by now. yeah you, they you're just, totally right they just don't act the same way I mean, to bring it down to like a single hair level, it's like then it feels like to me, it's like, well, I just need this one hair to act like that one hair. It feels like this shouldn't be that hard, right? But it is. It is. It is. It is. It is. Well, that's there we go. Kickstarter corner. I appreciate James doing like, doing like a random one. Yeah. You know, I mean, also people like want to give us a whole bunch of money and make sure their Kickstarter gets on the Kickstarter corner. <laughs> um, we probably shouldn't do that, but. <laughs> Listen, we were going to sell it for 600 bucks and a case of Corio ca- Kickstarter. So <laughs> who, what do we know? We'll take anything. All right. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you for hanging out with us and letting us infect your ear holes for a solid two hours or two and a half hours if you are a patron member, which is one of the ways you can support this podcast. How's that for a segue? Ah, I didn't even see it coming. <sighs> I got you. <laughs> Now you have to give us your money. No, you don't. Uh, there are free ways and non-free ways to support the podcast. If you don't have any dollars to uh, spare, that is totally okay. Uh, we appreciate many kinds of support, like uh, watching our uh, episodes with ads enabled on Google. Uh, we have an ad every 30 minutes, uh, and that supports us if you watch through the whole ad. Uh, you can also tell your nerd friends about us. You can also give us reviews on places where you listen to podcasts, like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Give us a little five-star rating. Five stars only, please. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Do whatever is honest. Um, if you have some uh, cash to spend, we have a Teespring store where you can buy sweaters, T-shirts, uh, mugs with the uh, Tup logo and more uh, on them. Some Tendi Destroyers or a, a fun riff to like a, a fast food meal with fries and ketchup and tenders in a, in a hoodie form. All great designs done by great people. Uh, you can also support us on Patreon where you get access to an extended episode where we talk about things like our favorite model from other content creators and other painters. Um, we talk about new things that we've experimented with in the hobby and failures and success we've had with those experimentations. And we also give feedback to one of our patrons. So as a patron, you can supply models for us to give feedback to, and you can also supply topics for us to discuss during an episode. Um, so yeah, those are all things you get as a patron. I just farted again really loud. Did you? I didn't hear it. So it's more of a rumbly. It's like when you have your subwoofer on in your home theater system, mm. and you're just watching like a Michael Bay movie, and it's like yeah. And then all Aww. of a sudden the explosion happens, and you're yeah. like, oh, there's the sub. That was, that was just my butt right there. That was your butt, Michael Bay your, butt your sub. Butt, your butt was a butt. <laughs> Bay butt sub. You know, we appreciate each and every one of you, and we're gonna we appreciate you so much. We're gonna be doing this again in two weeks because that's when the next episode's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so until that episode, we will catch you on the flippity flop.